Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend, Friday. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on a. Not spectacular weather Friday here on. 101 ESPN in St. Louis. The thing is, Cardinals don't have to play today, so we aren't worried about the weather. Brooke, how you doing? You uh, you bright-eyed and bushy-tailed after yesterday? I am. Well, a little bit. I do have a bigger coffee today. I don't know if anybody noticed uh-huh. that. Good. So, Got the Yeti loaded up. I know that we've talked about opening day being a holiday where everybody should get off. I think also the day after. No question. Hey. After celebrating, <laughs> you know having what? fun. You know, I think that tomorrow, I mean, yesterday and today should be two days off. I, as you two know, <laughs> I am in agreement. I'm an old man. Uh, 16 consecutive hours of going doesn't agree uh, with Randy anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was six. We got got there to the ballpark village around six six thirty yesterday, yeah. and uh, I didn't get home until eight thirty. So that was a that was it was a day, but it was, it was fun, wasn't it? It was a great day. It was it was fun. It was great. Did was your, great son, your son, your son, Carrie, and uh, and by the way, I'm going to tell a little story here. Carrie and uh, and his son had a great time. Yes. At the game, your first opening day. Yes. And our friend Chris Muir, uh, at Golf Discount is St. Louis's golf discounters. They're great. We do all of our golf shopping mm-hmm. at Golf Discount. There's one near your house in O'Fallon. Yep. And Ozzy Smith does his shopping at Golf Discount as well. So mm-hmm. last night, I and I my phone. I wasn't getting service, and it, then it died, so yeah. I didn't get a chance to forward to you. But what did you get last night? So when we got home last night, we got a message. I got, I received a message, and it was from Ozzy Smith, and it was from my son, uh, telling him, you know, he wishes him the best. He's he's happy that he's going to opening day, his first opening day, and it's going to be a great experience. And my son was just like in awe. He <laughs> said, "He knows my name." I said, "Yeah, he does. He 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 listens to the opening drive, and he hears us talk about you." And so he was able to hear your name, and he gave Ozzy Smith the great the greatest shortstop of all time. Gave my son a shout out, and it was one of the. It, it was just a cap for a, an awesome day for him. And you got a little shade. I, I did. He, he, he was he was giving me a little bit of a little bit of gripe for for not ever making it to an opening day and making it to my first one yesterday. Uh, Forty two years old, your first opening day. I was yeah, shame I was, on you. Shame, shame, shame. I was busy for a few of those years uh, doing my own job, but uh, yeah, no, it was my first opening day as well. And so to have that opportunity to do that with my son, it was. 
it was spectacular. He had a great time, and like I said, the the message from Ozzy was the cap was the the icing on the cake for him. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was also great meeting your son oh, yeah. too. Thank you. I, I mean, he had it. so much fun, and also it was a game where there was a lot happening yes. too. So yeah. It's <laughs> yes. not it's not like that there wasn't a lot happening. And a lot of runs. We definitely a lot of hits. yeah, a lot of stuff happening. Was it the quickest game? No. Yeah, That's what yeah, happens when pitching gets banged up a little bit. Yeah. But still, at least that there was something always going on. I noticed that he liked Jordan Walker a lot, he too. He did. He wants to get a Jordan Walker jersey. He's he's uh, nice. he's all in on, on Jordan Walker and wants to see him succeed. And, and you know, he was just... He was just really excited. That was a mm-hmm. that was a fun time for me because he just kept saying, "Dad, thank you so much for bringing me." That's I don't awesome. know if he was happy to be there or just happy to be out of school, but either way, <laughs> he got both, and it was a it was a, a, spe- a great great day for him. So let's t- take you back to the beginning because because the Clydesdales, as they always are, were awesome, a spectacular Clydesdale circling of the the warning track and everybody in the ballpark, and the ballpark was jam packed. Yes. Everybody loved it. And then the introduction of the Red Jackets. And it's always so cool because there's such history. We t- Bob Costas and everybody we talked about, Big Mac, uh, everybody says that St. Louis doesn't like anybody else. But, I mean, you're bringing in a guy who hit 70 home runs. You're bringing in the greatest defensive shortstop of all time. You're bringing in an MVP and a two-time batting champ. You're bringing in the greatest, one of the greatest defensive third basemen of all time. You're bringing in a Hall of Fame manager in Joe Torre. Player and manager after player and manager have accomplished so much and the history is incredible and then you get to the current guys and you've got the MVP and you've got the platinum award winner and you've got the greatest prospect going in baseball and you've got this accomplished catcher and there's just so much history and so much present for this franchise to me it's really striking when you get them all together It, it was it was a lot I mean it was just so fun to watch and see those guys, you know, ride around in the cars. And you saw the, the Clydesdales first, and you saw the players uh, ride around in the cars, and, and they, they jump out and they come, they shake everyone's hand. And it's just, it's really done, it's done really well. And I, it was something, it kind of stuck out to me that, that Joe Torrey was here on opening day, and he could have been in New York. He yep. is a he is a, a Hall of Fame manager for the New York Yankees, mm-hmm. correct? He he won three World Series there, if I'm not four. mistaken. Was it four? Yeah. Four. And so you chose to be here on opening day. I think it just speaks volumes to what the Cardinals organization does and what the Cardinal organization is, especially on opening day. It's like none other in the entire country. It's, it's it's extremely special. And then after the introductions of the players and of the Blue Jays, we get the surprise. John Hewlett in- announces that Uncle Charlie, Adam Wainwright, yes. is going to sing the national anthem. I thought that was so cool. I actually had to, I, I, my eyes were watery. I was going to say, and I, there were there were a few grown men that had tears in their eyes. Mm-hmm. I was I, I had to wipe my yeah. eye a little bit. It was, to me, we talked about were they going to do something special for Adam, it being his last opening day. That caught everyone off guard. It was like his teammates had no clue. They turned around like, what? What the heck is going mm-hmm. on? Everyone was just so surprised. He did a fantastic job. And to have a career that has lasted this long and to go into opening day, knowing you're on the I.L., but to be able to do that on the opening day, was uh, it, was, it was awesome to watch. It really was. I mean, we know that how much he's enjoyed singing, and he even said, I believe, afterwards that he was so nervous about that. But I don't think that you could even tell 
whatsoever. No, he, he nailed Especially, it. Especially, I mean, he is so used to high leverage, intense situations. Yeah. It's different, though. For singing? singing? Oh, yeah. yeah, man. Singing in front of people, even when you can sing, mm-hmm. it is different. Playing a sport, you you, you that's our that's our our I, I, that's sanctuary, our right? Yeah, we're we're good there. But when you have to step out in some form of art, because now you're subjected to people. Oh, that was good. That was terrible. Mm-hmm. That was great. It's just a difference of opinion, so it can be terrifying to sing in public. Adam's teammates didn't know when did he decide to sing. When I got hurt, Melody Young called me and said, "What do you think? I'd love for you to do it. There's, you know, it would be really neat." I think for for you and for St. Louis, if you would do it, and so I said no, and, and she goes, "Well, I'm going to give you a few minutes to think about it, but okay, we'll start going with Plan B." And then I called her back ten minutes later, and I was like, "All right, I'll do it." <laughs> That's it's funny her. that she knew that because she's worked yeah. around those players for Forever. so long, where she knows where it's like, "Okay, I'll give him a minute to realize how special this is. This is his final year playing for the Cardinals and playing in Major League Baseball." Everybody will go nuts for it. And it was just the perfect way to start everything out there. It was sensational. Then the game started and Toronto scored four. The Cardinals were kind of bitten to death by Ducks with that Toronto offense and their soft contact. It was 4-1 Jays when Tyler O'Neill went yard in the bottom of the third. Tyler O'Neill, who struck out in the opening inning. That ball walked right center field and deep. Track wall. It's gone. Four in a row for Tyler. Love me some two out runs. Chip carried the call on Bally Sports 4-3 at that point, but the Jays scored another in the fourth, but Brendan Donovan came up again in the bottom of the fourth. Swing, high fly ball toward right. Springer going back to the track. To the wall! That ball is gone! We are tied! Now, if this would have been a postseason game, it, it would have been epic. The Cardinals took the lead on a Paul Goldschmidt RBI hit. Then Toronto tied it. Then Jordan Walker put the Cardinals up with an RBI ground out. Cardinals only got one, by the way, out of a bases loaded, no out situation. And Toronto bounced back again. They take the lead. 8-7 heading into the bottom of the eighth. But the Cardinals can hit. Swing drive down the left field line. Fair ball. Two runs will score. Arenado is on his way to second. They pitch to him and pay in the Cardinals lead. I think right before that happened, I said to Kerry Davis, <laughs> I wouldn't pitch to him in this situation with who's coming up next. Yeah. You, you turned to me and said, that's what you told me. I think Kisner was up next because right, yeah. uh, Contreras had gotten hurt. He said, I wouldn't pitch to him in this situation. And lo and behold, I said, well, they aren't you, Randy. <laughs> they did. And it's down the third baseline, and he's on his way to second. So the Cardinals had the lead, but alas, Ryan Helsley walked the leadoff hitter in the top of the ninth. A single heated up the rally. An infield hit and an RBI won the game for the Jays by a score of 10. 10 to 9. Not much luck for the Cardinals starting pitcher Miles Michaelis. Man, I um I mean throughout the whole game, I mean even um you know later in the game when our, our bullpen got into the mix, that's just, you know, death by a thousand cuts sometimes. I don't think I I can remember a game where a team has kind of made that much soft contact and had just about everything uh drop in for a hit, you know, broken bats and uh you know, just kind of rolling them through the through the infield, but you also got to give credit, you know, they they reached out and they, they they put some good pitches in play and, and and they were battling. But I think I did a lot of things right and maybe wasn't rewarded for it. So you know, just gonna go out there and keep doing what I do. So if you, if you're dealing with some consternation about the opener of a 162 game season, right? Cardinals allowed 10 runs, lost by a score of 10 to nine. I will refer you to many many moons ago, 41 years ago now. 
when the St. Louis Cardinals lost game one of the World Series 10 to nothing. Hmm. 10 to nothing to the Milwaukee Brewers. And I know Ollie was this way yesterday because this is the way Ollie is. And I told Ollie this story one time last year. Whitey comes in after the Cardinals lost game one of the World Series to his press conference. My job as a Costello washer, once I left the field, was to check passes for the media going in to the, the media area. So I'm standing right there, and Whitey goes up to the podium, sits down, they have a table there. <laughs> Says, glad that wasn't blank and double header. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I mean, I feel like Miles Michaelis explained it best. It was just a death by a thousand yep. cuts and a lot of soft contact, particularly just a lot of bloop fly balls that were just right past the infield's reach, right? Yeah. I mean, how many times we see that? But it also, it was happening on the other side as yeah. well. And so my takeaway from that is we knew that this was going to be a really good matchup, a really good offensive matchup and that's what you felt like you saw there it was a game of chess yeah. is what it felt like and this might wind up being the world series like we talked about yesterday this this could be a world series preview so the cardinals fall 10-9 then last night the blues played in chicago and they knocked off the hawks five to three uh this guy number 15 he's pretty good break go to the far wing slides that down into the corner shen cycles it in the middle to sod trying to get a back door to verona he scores Verona puts in yet another goal. He's on fire. That's his 10th of the year. His 200th career National Hockey League point and a 1-0 Blues lead. 15.35 to go, second period. I think if I'm an NHL general manager and I see Doug Armstrong get Braden Shen for Yuri Laterra, and I see the, the and granted he gave up a lot to get Ryan O'Reilly because Tage Thompson has turned into a player. But who had Jakob Vrana been? If you're another general manager, you have to say, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is. Um, it's it's he's playing extremely well. He, mm-hmm. I mean, and we talked about, you know, kind of the, the things that he's gone through. I think just sometimes getting in a new place, getting a new scenery, it allows you to open up and play freely. And this team isn't expected to do much right True. now. Good so point. you're you're able to kind of, I want to say freelance, but you're able to have a little bit more freedom uh, when this team has it doesn't have that many expectations. He's playing he's playing extremely well, and it gives you a lot of hope for the future. Can they play better defense is going to be the question going forward. So it was one nothing Blues. Go ahead, Brooke. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I was just I was going to say kind of the same thing. I thought this was a really interesting quote from Justin Falk last night where he says, Verona has been fun to play with. I think feeding him the puck, getting around the net, if it doesn't go in, you're going to have a rebound. How many times have we said, uh, heard Craig Bruby say this season, <laughs> just get to the net? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Good things happen. Yeah, and, and I think that Verona – He's really seeing this as a second shot. Now, I know a lot of people, even in here, looking at you, Kerry Davis, don't want the Blues to continue to win. And there's great reason. But you bring in guys, you know, that have a lot to prove. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. They're 6-1-1 one, one in their past eight games. Now, they are going to play some better competition here soon. But I think you bring in two guys that really wanted to show the NHL they deserve to be here. They can even play in a top six role. And that's what you're seeing right now. So it was one nothing Blues at that point. Then Randy fell asleep, and Chicago tied it. And then the Blues <laughs> took the lead on goals by Brown and Toropchenko. And then Randy woke up, and Chicago made it 3-2 before Jordan Cairo gave the Blues some insurance. Kapanen's going to bring it over the line. Play to the middle. What a play. Cairo score! 4-2 St. Louis. 34th of the year for Cairo. 10.35 to go, third period. 
Chicago scored one more to make it closer, but Brandon Saad with an empty netter, and the Blues win it by a score of 5-3. Blues have a busy weekend. Tomorrow they're in, Nicheville, in Nicheville. Can I? Brooke, you know. I, I call it Nicheville because it's kind of a southern thing. Is 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 it cool if I go say Nicheville? Sure. <laughs> okay, thank you. Appreciate it. And then you, uh, you have my southern God bless you approval. <laughs> thank you very much. And then Sunday, the President's Trophy winners, they clinched the President's Trophy last night, the Bruins, and their head coach, former Blues assistant Jimmy Montgomery, will be not just a former Blues assistant. He's a St. Louis and Jim Montgomery will be in town and the Blues will take on the Bruins in a 2.30 game, 1.30 pregame here on 101 ESPN. It's also a big weekend coming up for St. Louis City SC, and we, we've got Minnesota in town. We're going to talk about what's going on with them next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And, of course, here at 101 ESPN, we're all about St. Louis. And St. Louis City SC, you talk about all about St. Louis. They are all about St. Louis. And tomorrow's going to be a great day in downtown St. Louis because you not only have the Cardinals playing, but you have St. Louis City SC welcoming Minnesota to town. And we've got Ravioli Boys. That would be with a Z. That's very important. And that's happening in downtown St. Louis as well. The chief experience officer for St. Louis City SC is Matt Seebeck. He joins us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Matthew. How are you doing? Good morning. Great day in St. Louis. It is phenomenal. And I'll tell you what, what, what you guys do with, with your job, your title is chief experience officer. What you do with the experience around City Park is amazing, and I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Tell us about what's going to happen. Yeah, no doubt. I appreciate that, Randy. I mean, every game, you know, for us is an opportunity to throw a festival, and we, we really have thought a, a while about that. So uh, food really sits at the, the center of that, and, you know, we've got over 25 local partners here in the stadium. We're really excited about that. But food, like it just, it, like soccer, brings people together, and that's culturally, but also uh, at times comedically. And uh, on Saturday, we're going we're gonna to throw a bit of a festival for toasted ravioli, the delicacy uh, that St. Louis is known for. So um, there's, there's a bit of a backstory that goes into that. When we were given a team in 2020, we asked our fans, you know, what should the team be called? And, you know, obviously St. Louis City won the popular vote, but there were a few names in there that were quite funny. We had... Uh, the, the trash pandas we had uh, my favorite was uh, Luventus, but uh, ravioli <laughs> boys ones in there that uh, that that rose to the top. And last April Fool's Day, we had uh, played a bit of a joke on on our fans by changing our name to to Ravioli Boys. And um, so this April Fool's Day is of course on Saturday when our team's back at home, and you know we decided to uh, to go all in on that again and have some fun with it. Well, Matt, I, I am. We we recently got some of the uh, toasted raviolis like, dropped off immediately, immediately <laughs> from from Antonino's, and I will tell you, this is one of the best toasted raviolis I've ever had in my life. It it is that good. It, it, one of the um, I guess best parts of your job has to be the ability to taste all of these different foods and and really get an experience yourself before city fans get to experience it when they get to the stadium. It, it really is. And, you know, we, we prided ourselves on really having a, a diverse selection in stadiums. So while I, I agree, Antonino's, uh, to me, number one toasted ravioli in St. Louis, 
but, you know, getting to try new restaurants and whether that's, you know, Senegalese, Vietnamese, new barbecue joints that are popping up. Um, you know, we want to bring all of those flavors into our game day experience. What are you? <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say the same thing. We are, Randy literally, after he asked you that first question, walked over he to go get, <laughs> to get some tea wraps. He just, he just dipped out really quick to go try some. So I think we're all enjoying this right now, Matt. So we thank you for that. I'm sure you guys have gotten so much good feedback because every time that I've gone to the past two home games, one, of course, the playing style makes it fun and exciting, but just the atmosphere in there, it, it's like even if you don't enjoy soccer, you have to get over there to experience it, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, St. Louis is a soccer town. We've, we've said that for a while. It's very historic here. But I think, you know, the, the, the percentage of, of people that have attended a professional soccer game, like what you're seeing at City Park, is actually quite small. So I think what has really captivated people is this environment that, is very tribal and, and communal and the idea that, you know, you, you, for 90 minutes you stand all game and, you know, there are, there are songs that, you know, 22,000 people sing together. I think that's, that's really, I think the thing that has surprised but captivated a lot of people through our first two home matches. Matt, I think one thing that I'm, I'm realizing and, and recognizing at this moment is even if you don't know much about soccer or don't consider yourself a soccer fan, you can go to a city game and have a great experience because of the food, because of the chance, because everyone is so engaged. That was really the, the, the thing that you all were going for when you started this. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. We were, we were looking for, uh, we were, we were looking to produce smiles, honestly. And, and this whole project is about regional pride. And we've thought a long time about, you know, the, the food, the music, the architecture and, you know, win, loss, or draw. You know, the team is on on a winning streak right now. Obviously, that that has fuel added fuel to the fire. But um, you know, outside of that, we want people to walk in here and, and feel really proud about St. Louis. So um, that that's really the strategy that we're going for. Matt, see you back. I'm back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good, Randy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you bring that up because. Like I said, the the experience that you ha- you're providing is great. But Dick Vermeil always had a great line when he was the head coach of the Rams here. He said, the main thing is the main thing. And the soccer is the main thing. And the soccer, you're a lifelong soccer fan. The soccer so far has been epic. It's been amazing. And but I, you know, Brooke mentioned it. I think the playing style is is exciting. And you know, it's uh, I don't think I'm breaking news here to say that I, I, you know we're not going to win every match. Um, but I, I think that that's okay. I think the playing style is is, is, is there's a physicality to it. Um, it's high press, high energy all the time. And I think it's a it's a blue collar style that you know here in St. Louis that fans can really embrace and and empathize with. So um, I think you know that adds really to this energy that we're looking to create outside the white lines where every experience should be, you know, pride inducing and, and just really fun to be a part of. And Matthew, one more thing before we let you go, you've known me for a long time. You know, that weight wise, I'm playing for the tie at best on a good day, but I'm, I'm sitting with two people here that have been like on intense diets for a yes. couple of weeks and we just ruined them. Congratulations. I appreciate it, though. I, I would take two to- two of those toasted raviolis any day of the week. I'm just telling That's you that, right. that was it. absolutely amazing. So outstanding. And uh, so said yes. <laughs> tom- tomorrow, uh, the the party four to seven p.m. Tell us how uh, people should enjoy the party. Yeah, so I mean, people have been showing up early, which is is a great thing to do. As as you know, you you, you kind of learn the areas around the stadium, where to park, where to hang out. 
Um, so our activations begin at, at 4 o'clock. That's in Lufus Plaza. It's east of the stadium, right by Union Station there. Um, so you can come on out. You can, of course, try uh, a lot of toasted raviolis. We'll have Antoninos out there, farm truck. Um, we've got some limited edition merchandise. Uh, so we'll have music, DJs. It'll, it'll be a really, really fun time. And then we kick off at, at 7.30 tomorrow. So uh, come on down. Even if you, have, if you don't have a ticket, uh, it'll be a, a you know, nice weather and a really nice hangout. Matt Seebeck, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Have a great day and have a, a great weekend. And let's see if we can get to 6-0 and just for fun. You bet. Thanks a lot. See you, Matt. Take care. Matt Seebeck, he is the Chief Experience Officer for St. Louis City SC. And, okay, I'll try one. Please do. Oh, did you did you guys hear that you little the, nice the, crunch? It's a little crunch, and it's it, it's here's the thing about it, Randy. The, the thing that caught me off guard was how <laughs> packed it is. It's oh, not yeah. it's not air. It's, it's not air, right? Yeah. You're, you're not right? getting you're, like you're, a oh. Lay's potato oh, chip. This is seven thirty in the morning food, baby. <laughs> it is really good. I, I go go get you one. That's all I can say. We're gonna talk some golf with Jay Delsing. Jay is gonna give us his Masters pick next on One Hundred and One ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Rick Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and our teammate Jay Delsing. You hear him every Sunday morning with Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. And Jay is standing by on the celebrity line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning, guys. How are you all? Good. So I know you listen all the time, and I need to know that uh, I, I just because I have such great respect for you, Jay, what did you think of me doing like the worst radio thing ever, eating on the air at 730 <laughs> in the morning and having that thing be toasted wrap? Are you kidding me? I wanna, I, I mean, you got them in the studio. You got to give them a <laughs> shot, and you got them right on the, on the air, and you're going to tell them how it is. But look, look what, what, what St. Louis City and Carolyn and the, her team are doing is just – it's so exciting and great for this town. And, I mean, toast a little toasted rav in the morning? Come on, man. You got to try it. <laughs> I appreciate your support. <laughs> oh, well, also, uh, just getting into more of the golf side, unless you have some more T-Rav takes, Jay. Um, but getting into the <laughs> golf side of things, I saw that Brooks Kepka came out, obviously a live golfer, saying that he doesn't think that there's going to be any anger or animosity towards anybody with, <laughs> you know, the Masters coming up. What do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, one of the things that that happens in our game is that it it, it is or it was very genteel. You know, you, there there are definitely personalities where where people don't get along and and things like that, and they they just play nice. And um, Brooks Kepka is not going to be invited to the. Uh, champions dinner but guys it's all going to start with that champions dinner and who is in charge of the seating chart there is (laughs) really really got it going on because you know there there's there's definitely there is no way in hell that that um that much will be brought up because in respect to scotty scheffler and it's his dinner it's it's honoring him for the incredible accomplishment of winning the masters a year before but, I mean, it's the elephant in the room for sure. And I just had some interesting information come out yesterday that I found out that if a live golfer wants to leave the live tour, not only does he have to give back his guarantee, but there's a multiplier of up 
to four times the amount he took, they have to give back. What? Oh. Wait, so you're telling me, surely those guys saw that whenever they sign, I'm sure, a giant contract or something like that. Are you calling me Shirley this morning? <laughs> no, of course. Well done. I was going to use that line, Jay. <laughs> That's an old dad. You know, we can't get away from being dumb dad joke. Anyway, you know, you know, Brooke, I, I don't know. what you'd, you'd assume. I mean, but where, why is there so still so much murkiness behind what's going on? Why, why is this stuff a secret? Why? Yeah. I mean, there's, 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 there's reasons they're keeping it, uh, uh, keep trying to keep it from the public because they obviously don't want it out. I mean, it's basically a gold, you know, the, the term golden handcuff. I mean, it's, yeah, here's the money. Now, if you want out, and I can promise you there are guys that want out, uh, you're going to, they, they make it so prohibitive that you're not going to be able to go, you know, get back. How long is this contract? Well, I, what I read, that I think they vary, Carrie, but what I what the bigger ones go through twenty twenty five. Okay. Oh well, I mean, not terrible. It's not a lifetime contract, I guess. I guess they can eventually be done with it, but that does sound a little dangerous if if you can't get out of something and got to pay four times back the amount. Other than than the live golfers, which obviously is a huge story, the biggest story is always Tiger Woods. Is he playing in the tournament next week? Yeah, he's definitely playing. And, um, yeah, anything he does, you know, we talked about this so many times. He, You know, he opens his window. He jumps. His plane, you know, gets started. There's a thing I've called the, the Tiger Woods. I think it's on Twitter, the Tiger Woods plane, uh, private plane tracker. You know, so <laughs> anything happens, you know, everybody's like, where's he going? What's he doing? I mean, he just moves our needle. And um, I don't think he'd miss this for the world. The fact that he was able to play last year, is amazing. I the the the, the walk is an extreme ask uh, for him. It's a it's a not an an e, a hard walk for the younger guys that are that are totally fit and have their bodies. But for what's happened to Tiger and and what he's dealing with with his leg, I mean it's a it's a big ask for, to just walk it. Jay, would it do him better if he just took time off? Like, I understand the competitive nature. I understand the need to swing a golf club. But just six months, a year of no golf, he's still the greatest golfer in the world. And I believe he could get back into shape uh, and swinging a golf club. But his body needs time to heal. Would that Would that be beneficial for him? I don't think so because I think the sort of injury that he has now, now for his back and some of the other things that he did carry, I think that's pretty much what he did. But with this, I, I think he's got what he's got. And I was told, and, and and this is just more of a rumor than, but I was told that if it was anyone else, they would have amputated his leg. Mm. And he, he was never going to, uh, there was a shot when he was playing at Riviera in the Genesis of him was, he was messing around with his shoe and carry it looked like down at his ankle, like there was some sort of rod or something almost sticking out of oh. his ankle area. And I was like, Oh man, that did not look good. Jay, who do you think is going to win the masters? I don't know who I, I want Roy McElroy to win in the, in the worst way. He's playing great golf. He's certainly capable of it. But Randy, in terms of mental, you know, golf's a mental game anyways. We're all a bunch of, I don't know, psych ward patients after you play, you know, 10, 10 12 years. But the, the, 
for what what happened to Rory with a big lead and then you know shooting 80 the last day with the lead and things like that he's got a lot of scar tissue but I would love to see him win it for a lot of reasons first of all he's a great human second of all with Liv and he he has kind of risen up and been more of a spokesperson for the PGA Tour, and it would also give him the the, the Grand Slam. You know, he still needs the Masters to 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 um, the career Grand Slam would would be an amazing feat. I think there's only what six other golfers in in our history that have ever done it. Hey Jay, one other thing, and you've at our age we run into a lot of people that have had joint hip and, and knee replacements. Uh, I want a recommendation from you. A person that's, you know, beyond 50 has had knee replacements and she wants to get into golf and doesn't really know how to go about getting clubs. I want you to give us an explanation for anybody, male, female, that wants to use golf to enhance their quality of life. How do you go about selecting clubs? That's a a great question. So I just ordered a set, a couple of sets, uh, full sets of clubs. Um, both for females, by the way, uh, uh, through Program Golf. They have an amazing selection of stuff. They also have CJ over there, who happens to be, in my opinion, the best club fitter in town. And for a nominal fee, um, usually if you use my name, they charge you double. But this time, <laughs> you tell them, I told you, they'll, they'll, they'll take half off the and I think it's they charge you $20 to get fitted. And they just roll that, into the, roll that into the price of the clubs. But what's really important is to get on the machines and so we can give you the right starting point for your speed. Everybody's got to, even if they're just starting, to, to be able to get on the TrackMan and the GC quads and all of our um, computerized um, metrics now, it, it really helps you get started. And for women, it's crucial, Randy, you know, to get the right shaft and the and, and and more so how heavy that shaft is if you just pull a set of clubs off the rack even if they're um they are graphite shafts they might be too heavy you need to get the correct shaft um for your game and for your speed and strength level and cobra has an entire package together with a putter and a bag for a really, really reasonable uh, uh, price, well under $1,000. And in, in today's day and age, to get modern equipment for, for that amount, Pro-Am Golf Centers, it, Tom DeGrand has been helping people with their game for over 40 years. It's a family-owned business. It's on South Brentwood. They're terrific people, and they're really in the business to just try to help you with their game. And, and there's a, an entire set that Cobra can, um, uh, has come out with, with a 60 de- all from a 60-degree wedge all the way up to fairway woods and a, and a nice modern-sized driver with a putter. So it's a really neat idea, and I think she would um, anyone would do well with, with this kind of thing. But get on the machines and let them, let them get a starting point for you because it, it just helps. Jay, always good to hear your voice. Who do you have on the show on Sunday? I got Nick Ragone from Ascension. You know, Nick is the reason that we have the Ascension Charity Classic. He's the chief marketing officer and communications officer at Ascension. And Ascension does a great job in our community, guys, and really does it. They're they're under the radar with everything they do. They really do it in a a neat kind of um, uh, real respectful way. Awesome. Hey, we'll be tuned in. Thanks so much, Jay. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Rand, you're welcome, and I appreciate you having me on. Did you dip the RAV, or did you just go 
commando oh, with the rug. Oh, I totally, I, to, I totally did. That's that's why I had to get up and walk away so that I could uh, put it under some of this glorious marinara sauce. <laughs> right on. You do it right. Thanks, brother. See you later. Take care, guys. Take care. That's Jay Delsing. You'll hear him Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to talk to our friend Adnan Verk of MLB Network. He's got a new show coming. But next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YO-HO. We've got Take It or Leave It next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-YO-HO. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Kerr. Guys, last year, the league average earned run average in Major League Baseball was 3.96. In 2021, and by the way, I don't count 2020 because of the COVID year, but in in 2021, the league average ERA was 4.26. The year before that, 4.49. My anticipation would be that because of the rules changes, the average ERA will go up this year from 3.96 last year. But take it or leave it, the Cardinals have a below league average ERA as a team this year. Ah, hmm. uh, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it too. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. Right. I'm going to leave that for sure <laughs> as of right now. <laughs> as of right now. Unless, yeah, and, unless hey, things change. I've always thought that and things have changed in baseball. You know, Mike uses Mike Claiborne uses Flag Day as his barometer for what a team is going to be. I've always thought Memorial Day was when you really knew what you had. Heck, the the '85 Cardinals—they were 20 and 20 after 40 games. And they wound up winning 101 games, and their pitching kicked in on Memorial Day. And so I, I'm going to give them some time, but I'm going to right now after one game and spring training, I'm going to be with you guys. I'm going to leave that they'll have a below league average ERA. Randy. Uh- a few months back, we said that the Cardinals would average eight runs a game. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're on pace for that. Yes, Take it or leave it. They're not gonna. They're they're gonna have to have some better pitching in order to win those eight run games. Yeah, I'm gonna take that. <laughs> I'm gonna take that. <laughs> that was I'm gonna take it. 19 hits they gave up. 
Nineteen. Yeah. To be fair, three hundred three hundred eighty-four pitches in that game yesterday Eesh. between the two teams. Almost yes. four hundred pitches. <laughs> to be fair, the Blue Jays also got beat up a little bit. They it was did. truly a back and forth game. It was a, really it was great, game. It was a great game. It, it was, was a, a playoff game. game. It'd go down as one of yeah. the greatest of all time. And you exactly. said you said you think that the the Blue Jays you picked them to win the World Series yesterday. Yeah. So you figure you feel like they are a very very good baseball team. Yeah, they're legit. Any no concern about anyone from yesterday's game. I mean, Contreras, other than the end So, I told you guys, I had a guy come up to me in the third inning when they were down 4-1. He said, Carriker, what's going on here? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, Michaelis. I said, it's the third (laughs) inning of the opener. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I always chill because it's 162 games. Okay. I always chill. Yes, I I agree. Also, I think we knew going in that from what we've seen, at least from spring training, that the Cardinals are going to be a good team offensively, and I think that you saw that. So, take it or leave it. We're going to continue with our Cardinals theme. Take it or leave it. The player that I felt like, if you give your hard hat MVP Cardinals-wise, would be Brendan Donovan. He was three for six with two two home runs and two additional runs scored. And really, he just stood out to me because, I don't know if you guys noticed, he seemed to have put on more muscle from last season you definitely saw during spring training kind of the power that he had and yesterday he just looked really dominant to me in multiple facets of the game donny baseball i'm gonna take it yeah hey gold glove winner right in the national well in, in the major leagues for he was the national league. i don't know why we were even bothering by the way with national and american league anymore but he was a gold yes. glove winner in the <laughs> national league as a utility player and he showed in spring training he's got a little bit more pop. Brooks, I'm going to take it. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to be a really special player. Two run home runs. Sorry, I said that incorrectly. But still, I just thought I thought that he took some positive steps. Usually when you hear a player's working on their swing during the offseason, and uh, Brendan Donovan, I thought he did great last year. I was like, please don't do that. Right. You don't need to work on your swing. You aren't Jason Hayward. But you, you're seeing it pay off, and you're seeing some of that power, and he just looked like the best player out there for the Cardinals, in my opinion. It's just one game, but still, I liked what he's done in spring training going into the opener yesterday, too. By the way, I'll do respect to Jason Hayward. He, he at least was working on it, right? Changed his swing every year, but at least he was working on it. That's right. All right, what do we have on the text line? Grant, Grant Francis is, is in for Matthew Rocchio Francois. today. Yeah, Francois. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, we'll start from the 636. Jordan Hicks is officially a liability, not an <laughs> asset. Take it or leave it. Leave it. I'm going to leave that. that uh, we talked about it. There, there weren't – He there was a dribbler down third base, a, a, I think a, a shallow fly ball that just got over Edmonds' head at shortstop. Mm-hmm. It wasn't – there weren't many hard-hit balls. None. There was there, a, he, I, didn't, he, he allowed three hits, and none of them were hit on. Yeah, and then the pass ball. I don't know if they gave him a, a, a – if I don't know if it was a wild pitch or a pass ball uh, when it looked like when the ball kicked away from Contreras um, and he got hurt. That – I'm not. I'm not going to uh, have an issue with what took place from him. No. Does Jordan have to be more efficient? Yes. He threw 27 pitches, and does he need to strike out more people when he's throwing 103? Yes. He he had uh, just the one strikeout. But at the end of the day, those are three hit balls that would just as easily be outs, but they just went to the wrong spot, and yeah. a pitcher has no control over that. All right, from the 773, take it or leave it. St. Louis City SC is the next team in St. Louis to win a trophy. Ooh, I, I like, like that. that question. But I'm going to have to leave it because October comes before November. Oh. 
Oh. And the Cardinals will win that Let's National League Championship trophy. Now, will they win the World Series trophy? I don't know, but the question was trophy. <laughs> Guys, you're forgetting about the Battle Hawks. Two. That's a good, great Again. point. Well, and the thing there, too, is that there's only eight teams. So yeah. the, the chance uh, of Much winning out of those eight teams. Yeah, yeah. Season in the league. Yeah, I was going to say the defenders are still there. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the. By the way, your Battle Hawks are in action this weekend as well. Are they not? Uh, who do we have April 1st? We April 2nd, Sunday, they're at Houston. And that is a one o'clock game. And it's you can see it on ESPN. Hmm? Um, I guess the Roughnecks. Yeah, and Houston, uh, that's the Wade Phillips team, right? I think. Uh, yeah. So, it'll be good. Let's go to the 314 here. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will have to make a trade for pitching way before the trade deadline. I'm going to leave it because nobody trades pitching way before the trade deadline. They never Nothing get traded. available. Yeah, it, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. So, uh, in asking people around the ball club about Graceffo, the skill set for Gordon Graceffo is there. He needs to polish the, some things up, but it could come quickly. Gordon Graceffo was the Cardinal pitcher that moved through the system fastest last year, and there is a reasonable expectation on the part of people within the organization, high-level people within the organization, that he will be able to duplicate that advance from last year and be really good by midseason this year. The two players that moved through the organization fastest last year, pitcher Graceffo, pl position player, win. And so we'll probably see both of them this year. How soon do you think you'll see Graceffo, though, is the question. I would think all-star break, which is fine. If he has the stuff, he's the one guy. And if all bets are off for me on Jack Flaherty, but Moe said yesterday he was mm -hmm. working on stuff. I hope Flaherty is what he is, what he, what he was. But the one guy who could be that strikeout 12 guys in game one of a playoff, the one guy that has the physical ability to do that for me is Graceffo. Hmm. From the 314, take it or leave it. Yesterday felt like baseball, but fun again. You approve the rule changes thus far. I'll take it. I, I approve them. I thought it was, um, you know, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I thought so, too. And then there's going to be more action. Thanks, Grant. Thank you, Randy. Hey, coming up on 101 ESPN, our buddy Adnan Verk from MLB Network is starting a new show with Harold Reynolds. Greg Damsinger told us about it yesterday. We're going to talk to Adnan. And we're, I'm going to ask him a movie question, too, because he's the <laughs> movie guy. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and MLB Network has a new MLB Tonight early edition. Starts at 5 o'clock St. Louis time with Harold Reynolds and our next guest, Adnan Verk, who joins us on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Adnan, it's always great to have you on the show. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Thanks so much for giving me a few minutes. It's great to have opening day back, man. I Hopefully a great season for the Cardinals ahead. I'm picking Nolan Arnauto to win MVP, so hopefully he doesn't let me down. And uh, it's just great to be back in the full swing. That pitch clock yesterday was awfully fun. And we're excited about the show. I, I want to start with this, though. I want to talk to you about the show. But in your heart of hearts, and you can say it, you're on the air in St. Louis, Amzinger roots for the Cardinals every day on MLB <laughs> Network. Were you happy with the outcome yesterday? <laughs> Cardinals versus Blue Jays. I was like, come on, with Alec Manoa on the mound yesterday, I said, you knew Toronto was going to win. I saw him actually in the makeup room, which is where normally we see all talent at MLB Network. I said, hey, you and me today. 
We should put some toasted ravioli on the uh, on the, on the line. Sports, right? St. Louis specialty against Toronto specialty. But good game yesterday. It was uh, God. Listen, the crowds in St. Louis are always awesome. I have such respect for the fans there. They love baseball like no other. So it was just just great to see both of our teams in action. And I want to find out about your new show. We love Harold Reynolds, and he's done such a great job at MLB Network over the years, as have you. And this will be really exciting to kind of set up our night of baseball. Oh. Fantastic, Randy. I'm so lucky. You know, I've been in that movie network for four years now, and the people there are so great. It's one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life. And Harold's incredible. You know, he's a three-time Emmy Award winner for Best Studio Analyst, and now I get to see why up close and personal. He's so invested in the product. He's so knowledgeable about baseball. He's so enthusiastic. He has the age of somebody, you know, half his age, the way he's out there taking up demos and spotting things. And yesterday was amazing on set. You know, we're talking about the no shift now. Right away, he saw a play. because I'm going to go break that down. He ran over to Studio 42. Let me explain it to you. He's just like a little kid who's just so excited to tell you all the things he's seeing in baseball and what he's passionate about. And we'll use our ballpark cameras. We're going to talk to players before the game. You know, the set looks great. The whole crew is really, really sharp. So I'm really excited, man, to be on at 6 o'clock. And I think this is a lot of fans. I know you guys are in St. Louis, but if you get home around 5, you don't get to watch the games, get set up for the St. Louis Cardinals game. I think it's really going to be the spot to be to get set up for all the night's action in baseball. Yeah, it was a really exciting game yesterday. I think people were kind of expecting to see the game go a little bit faster, but, you know, can't really fix that with pitching and getting banged up a little bit there. But was there anything else that stood out to you about that game yesterday? I think everybody in St. Louis just watching people (laughs) waiting for Jordan Walker to come up to the plate in his first at-bat. He gets his first big league hit. And just seeing the roar from the crowd, what did you guys think of Jordan Walker? And he, I mean, 20 years old on the open opening day roster and in the lineup. Yeah. Well, Jordan Walker's definitely a guy we've talked about all spring. The fact Anthony Volpe made the Yankees team, another guy who's a heavily high prospect, Walker does it. I love the video the Cardinals posted when he was told by Oliver Marmol mm-hmm. that he was getting the job. When he stood up, he just dwarfed the entire screen. <laughs> this guy's like, eight. He looks like Andre the Giant in there. So it's a really good outfield they have. Of course, I'm loyal to the Canadian Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, fresh off his performance in Japan, the World Baseball Classic. So I was impressed that Walker had a good enough spring that the Cardinals felt like he should break camp with them. When Harold and I were watching, we saw that one play on Forza where he kicked it there in right field. Ball took that carom, and then his throw was home. Jay scored a run on it. And I right away, Harold said to me, he goes, oh, man, watch. Cardinals fans are going to turn on this kid. He's not ready yet. He needs some more season. <laughs> but um, we know he's going to be there for his offense. And obviously, he'll DH a little bit, play the outfield a little bit. So it was just good to see him, man. I, I think what, what makes baseball special is every year you see these new stars coming up and more often than not, they're able to, to match that hype and match that potential. It doesn't always happen in every sport. But for Walker and Volpe specifically, Cardinals and Yankees, two blue blood teams, both those guys look ready to go. And then what are your thoughts on the rule changes, and, and how do you feel about them in, in going forward in baseball? Well, I love it. I got a little essay I'm doing today on the show and talking about just the whole concept of time, right? Time is driving everything now in life. And I think it's really important that baseball's adapted, you know, Nobody wants to watch a three-hour, five-minute game. That's just the reality now. The sport's been around for 150 years. We want things quicker. We want to consume things quicker, whether it's Facebook or TikTok or waiting in line at the grocery store. Like, go, go, go. Time, time, time. So now the fact of a pitch clock. Baseball games yesterday, I mean, I was astonished. The Yankees game took two hours and 33 minutes. That's the same time as the length of a Knicks game or a Rangers game. That's shorter than a football game by 30 minutes. So that's great news for baseball. I think clearly listen to the fans and even the players themselves. I give them credit, right? They could have been resistant. They're like, no, let's, well, let's go quicker. Um, you know, the 20 seconds between pitches when someone's on base, I was watching Otani last night. He doesn't use the full 20 seconds. You know what I mean? The, the, the hitter has to be alert with eight seconds left to go, but it's not like these guys are waiting to the last second. Once they get the ball, 
give it a second, deep breath, and go. And it's, it's the baseball that I enjoyed watching as a kid, and it feels like it's the baseball that we're back now watching as well. MLB Network's Adnan Verk with us on 101 ESPN, a new early edition of MLB Tonight. He and Harold Reynolds at 5 o'clock every day on on MLB Network. Adnan, these two, Brooke and Kerry, were shocked yesterday when I picked the Orioles to make the playoffs. They got off to a good start. Adley Rutschman had a historic start to the season. I'm kind of intrigued by the former St. Louis Browns. What do you think? <laughs> you know what? I'm picking Gunnar Henderson to win Rookie of the Year. I just love everything about that young man. I had the pleasure of interviewing him in the offseason. He's like 21 years old, great flow, southern kid. And I said, man, with a name like Gunnar Henderson, he just had to be a star. And he started laughing. He's like, oh, yes, sir. You know my dad, name me that name. I was like, you're not just going to be like some accountant named Gunnar Henderson. You're clearly going to be an athlete with a name like Gunnar. So I think he's really going to blossom. But you mentioned Rutschman. He's the centerpiece of that team. I mean, the guy goes five for five yesterday. He's an offensive hitting catcher. Like, that is such a premium to put it on that position. You know, the issue for them has been pitching, and clearly they're going to miss John Means for a little bit. But last year they had that airtight bullpen, and their starters were okay. Like, they were able to get by. But offensively, I think, is really where that team is going to shine. And they've got lots of different players who can contribute beyond Rutschman and, and Henderson. So, I don't know about playoffs, but I, I do think that American League East is a bear. Like, I, I think it's Yankees and Jays. But the Rays are there, and the Orioles, I think, are definitely going to be around 500. Who knows? 85, 86 wins, that could be enough to make it to the playoffs. And then there was a catch last night in Oakland that I think was probably the best catch that I've ever seen in my life by Hunter Renfro. What did you think about that catch? Now, it may have been lucky. It may have been a shot in the dark. (laughs) But still, is that one of the best catches in baseball history? Well, I don't know about baseball history. I never liked to be a prisoner of the ball, but it was a great catch. There's no question about it. And like you said, the fact he was able to just, you know, a lot of times with these catches, it's just the ability to do it, right? It's the wherewithal to do it. I think back to Cardinals, of course, Jimmy Edmonds, all those great yeah. catches he would make. Like, you've got to be fearless, man. If you want to be an outfielder, you've got to be fearless. You've got to go all out to make those kind of plays. And uh, clearly Hunter was hunting for that catch. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Okay, uh, one more thing for Adnan Verk, who also is the host of a, a great podcast, a great movie podcast. It's called the Cinephile Podcast. I watched this Academy Award winner, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Best Picture. I don't know what it was about, Adnan. Can you tell me? <laughs> Randy, it's so funny. When that movie came out, and by the way, it's it's historic on so many levels. No film has won seven or more Academy Awards since Slumdog Millionaire did this back in 2008. And that film came out produced by A24, which is the one place which is really a great home for independent film these days. And they put out that movie in late March, early April. And I said, well, I'm hearing lots of buzz about it. And just like you, I said, what's it about? And they said, well, it's this mother-daughter story. It's uh, science fiction. It's about laundry and taxes. And she goes to different <laughs> dimensions. I go, I have no interest in that. There's zero chance that I watch me like that. And then the movie just kept going. Right? It was in the top ten in the box office for like 16 weeks. They go, okay, I'll finally go see it. And I go, oh, my God, this movie's incredible. And I'm with you. It's definitely tough to categorize. But it's so audacious and it's so original. And the Daniels are really throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the screen. Yeah, it's a little long. Yeah, it's a little confusing. Yeah, it's a little weird, but they take chances. (laughs) And in a box office today, which is dominated by Marvel movies and sequels, it's amazing to see something that's actually original. I mean, did you ever think hot dog fingers would be an important part of a movie? (laughs) Somehow they were able to do that. So I I was thrilled for the cast, by the way. I know you said you watched the Oscars. Michelle Yeoh wins, 60-year-old actress, first ever Asian actress to win Best Actress. Ki Hui Kwan, who every speech dominated. And, of course, Jimmy Lee Curtis. It's not her best performance. We all know that. But a nice Lifetime Achievement Award. Who doesn't love trading places or a fish called Wanda and seeing her finally winning an Oscar? And then what makes a great movie a great movie? 
You know, I think ultimately it has to come down to story. If you can start with a great story, everything else can supplement that. We've all seen movies with great actors. You know, the movie Nine has got all these major stars in it. You've got Daniel Day-Lewis and Penelope Cruz. Well, the movie's not very good because the story isn't good. So you can have a great director, you can have a great actor, but you've got to start with the script. And I think ultimately if you have a good story, something that's compelling and worth telling, ultimately it makes a really good movie. I'll give you an example. Two Leslie is a movie that Andrea Riseborough starred in. She was not only for Best Actress. That movie was made for, I'm not kidding, like $800,000. And somehow she got an Academy Award nomination. And why? Because it's a story worth telling. It's about sobriety. It's about a character overcoming adversity. And, and those stories still play at the box office. I know TV now has never been better. Everyone's just sitting at home and streaming and watching Succession, which is a show I love. But there's still something special about going to the movies for me. And then we have so much respect for your work. We're so excited about your new venture here with the early edition of MLB Tonight. You and Harold, 5 o'clock St. Louis time on MLB Network. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for spending some time. And as the season goes along, hopefully we can do this again. Randy and friends, I really appreciate it. By the way, Harold said yesterday on the air, he goes, man, that Cardinals uniform, I know everyone talks with the Yankee pinstripes, but the stitching and the look of that bird, there's something better than anything in baseball. So go Cards. Thanks, Adnan. Take care. That's our buddy, Adnan Verk from MLB Network. And they just obviously do magnificent work, as Greg told us yesterday. He'll continue to do the late show with Dan Plesak, and they'll have a rotating cast on the the late-night version of MLB tonight. But you want to tune in because the work that they do is top shelf. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, coming up, Joe Vitale is going to join us. We're going to talk a little toasted rab, best toasted rab in town. <laughs> Probably. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and uh, we head to the Celebrity Line, and our buddy Joe Vitale, analyst for Blues Hockey here on 101 ESPN, joins us. Joey V, how you doing? Hey, Randy. What's going on, brother? Hey, doing good. Just got in late last night to, to Nashville about 2 in the morning. I was disciplined. Uh, bars closed out here at 3. We got in at 2. Uh, and Disciplined Joe was, uh, was disciplined last night. Went to bed, so I'm feeling good right now. You went to bed rather than go to a bar for an hour. Yes, that's right. I, I don't know. You know, I thought about it. And some of the guys, we had some uh, sponsors on this trip, uh, enjoying it, when I hit Broadway for an hour. But I felt that uh, a good night's sleep was better. And I'm, I'm feeling good. And now I'm ready to rock for tonight in the National on Broadway. All right. Joey V, I got to ask a question. Uh, we had Toasted Rav delivered this morning at 730 Actually, 7.15. I ate Toasted Rav on the air at 7.30 this morning. Is that wow. a thumbs up or a thumbs down move? Oh, man. Thumbs up, baby. Thumbs up. <laughs> you know, I only live by a couple of mottos in this world, and uh, one of those mottos is it's never a wrong time to eat a Toasted Rav. Uh, where'd you get them from? Uh, Antonino's. That is the best. Yeah. I was just going to say. <laughs> Antonino's are the best Toasted Ravs. In 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 the city, not even close. Forget about it. They are the best. Right on the hill there, uh, kind of a hidden undercover spot. I think it's starting to get more more praised now. But five years ago, they were kind of undercover, and I had them, and I was just blown away, and no one was really talking about them. But I think now they're starting to catch fire, where everyone fully recognizes the quality behind those grabs. And by the way, Joey V, I, I will own that I ate. Toasted Rev at 7.30 in the morning. These two can decide whether or not they want to publicly <laughs> reveal what they did or not, but I, I, I'm just owning it. 
Did you, did you lose a bet? Or what's going on? Why are you having Toasted Rabs at 7.30 in the morning? Oh, they, huge, were, they, huge. Were, they yeah. were brought in. Yeah, St. Louis City SC <laughs> is having a uh, ravioli festival tomorrow between ravioli 4 and boys. 7. Yeah, yeah. Ravioli the Boys. They're celebrating the Ravioli Boys. B-O-Y-Z. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. And you, and you didn't want to wait till the, the back end of the show? To, yeah. you know, nah. just, no, because nah. no, they came in hot, Joey. Like I like hot. it. I, I like it. I like it. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. With it. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. <laughs> Joe, do you have any? So you said that you are going to go out in Nashville today. Are you a honky tonk guy? I feel like I always have to ask this whenever people go out to Nashville. You know what? There is something great about the city. I don't know what it is. I really don't. I think it's kind of it's like the Vegas of the East, right? Where you you go out and the city kind of grabs you, and you just it's infectious. Where you go out and. You hear the country music and the country stars on this in this city are absolutely amazing, as everyone knows who comes out here. And every bar has got some of the best live music you've ever heard. So, no, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna hit the town here a little bit. The, the first time I hit Broadway as a broadcaster, it was actually with Kelly Chase. Oh. It was my first year. It was my first year in the booth. Yeah, uh, I, I, I can stop right there, and you guys understand. Uh, it was my first year in the booth. And it was my probably month into the season. It was a very similar schedule we have right now. We have we had a night off, Friday night off in Nashville, and like a Saturday afternoon game at like one or maybe it was like an eleven thirty game. It was super early in the morning, and I remember we went out and Kelly Chase took us out. And long story short, we had the night of our lives, and the night actually finished off with this rattlesnake shot. And the guys like, you guys want to shot a rattlesnake moonshine? And we're like, Rattlesnake Moonshine. And we're thinking, like, Rattlesnake's like the name of the company. This guy brings out this, like, big old bottle, this clear bottle of clear liquid, and it's got a full live, not live, baby dead rattlesnake <laughs> in the bottle of moonshine. And he's like, whoever takes a shot of this writes on the wall. So we did it. Guys, I, I, I still feel the fire to this day <laughs> of the pros. I mean, this thing was like 750 proof and i woke up the next day and i was like gonna have a i was like gonna have a panic attack my wife's like what's wrong it's like honey i i i i i i, I can't even put two words together ever i i i like i don't know i'm gonna lose my job i'm gonna lose my job I don't, and i'm heading to the rink i'm like sweating i'm stuttering and i get to the booth and and chris kerber is of course there i go hey curbs and I look at Curbs, and Curbs can barely open his eyes. I, mean, I don't know what, I don't know what was in this alcohol with this rattlesnake in it, but he can barely open his eyes. I can't even see the whites in his eyes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're done. We're toast. We're toast. And the puck drops. The puck drops. And I right before the puck drops, I go, Curbs, I, I'm not feeling very good. He goes, I got you. I go, he'll never forget. He goes, I got you, brother. And he, the puck drops, guys. His call was as flawless as it's ever been. And, I mean, I swear, he didn't miss a beat. He didn't miss a player. He didn't miss a detail. And I literally sat there as a spectator. And I just watched the game. (laughs) And I remember... And I remember him every every now and then when he needed a little bit of a break. He'd say, you know what I mean, Joe? And i just go, yep. Yep. That's all I throw out there. I had absolutely nothing to do. So I promise you, long story short, uh, I'll be more disciplined than that for sure. Uh, but at the same time, 
it goes to show you how important that partnership is and uh bailed me out that day yeah i i can't say that we've experienced the same nashville if that's what's what you've experienced out there because i don't think i've met a mysterious man with moonshine that has a rattlesnake in it and i think i would heavily avoid that well i guess we'll get into some blues stuff here i just wanted to ask you i mean it seems like the blues continue to play well you didn't even have robert thomas or buchnevich last night but the blues still come out with the win verona again looks really good is this team just like a full-on rush team now especially with the addition of rana yeah brooke you know i think they are you know it's amazing this team you know you lose some more pieces last night you think okay something's gonna have to give here pretty soon but they just kind of find ways to keep winning games and they're finding ways to score goals it's it's almost uh, they're in this rhythm of the season where they just feel like they can't lose and this is kind of what it reminded me of like a lot last year, like with the amount of goal scores we had and the offense firepower they had. It seemed like no matter what happened in the game, they always seemed like they had firepower to score in games. And that's certainly what it looks like lately, 6-1-1 one, one in the last eight. And this team has found their rhythm. It's changed a lot. Like their, their philosophies, um, their systematic play, and especially their plays in the neutral zone has completely changed with the additions there of, of Yaku Verana and Casper Captain, like you mentioned, we talked to uh, Brandon Saad about this after the game uh, a couple games ago, uh, as well as Jordan Bennington. And one of the things that stands out is the ability for the defenseman now to pass it up these long stretch passes to speed. You know, before Blues earlier this year, they were not as fast, and they have to come back together, come out of the D zone together, five man unit, close in support, and they come up as a group. And, you know, it was an easy team to defend. You know, you lose some big pieces, you add some speed, and now everyone's spread out. You're starting to see east-west passes from board to board. You're starting to see those double-line passes moving up the ice. We're seeing breakaways, odd-man rushes galore. And I think it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things where the Blues are certainly finding success with it. But at the same time, over time, teams will learn how to defend it. And that's when you have to keep evolving in a different way. But certainly in this earlier stretch of this transition speed game, it's really catching teams off off their guard where this isn't the same Blues team. And this is why they're having so so much success. Joey, last night, Kasperi Kapanen shifted over to center. Uh, you've seen Bushnevich play center, shifting from, from a forward, from a wing spot. What is the hardest part of, of making that transition to center? Uh, and what makes a good center a good center? Well, you know, the biggest thing, Carrie, it's a good question. The biggest thing, Carrie, believe it or not, it's a small detail of the game, but it's defensive zone faceoffs after you lose the faceoff. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's very, it's very specific, but it's very important. So you're in the defensive zone faceoff, and you're a winger that now is playing centerman like Casper Kapanen. If you're on the dot and you lose that faceoff, and that faceoff goes straight out to the opposing team's point man, the D-man, instinctually, because you're a winger, what do you think you want to do? You want to go out to that defenseman. Yeah, Yeah, you want to go get him. That's your man. And and as soon as you have a a mental breakdown there for even a split second and you think you need to go get him, once that centerman jumps past you, uh, he's in front of that, he's at back door, and they can run their face-off play, whatever they want. You see it so many times where the centerman loses centerman. That's their job, center on center and a D-zone loss. And a lot of times, wingers don't have the discipline or the kind of mental capacity uh, in, the, in the emotions of the game to remember that. So that is a constant reminder, and wingers certainly help the center remind them of, the, of that. Uh, but besides that, I would say it's, it's actually a lot easier uh, from a strategic standpoint to move to center. Center, you, I mean, you're, you're the rover. 
you're all over the place. You're center mid, like on the soccer field. You're wherever the ball is, you are. Wherever the puck is, you are. You hunt and you're you're the hound. You're helping out in the D zone. You're all over in the offense zone as well. That's why it's very important to have you know two attributes in my mind to play center, which is number one, you got to have speed because you got to be able to get up and around everywhere. And the other thing is you really need to have – you really got to have a lot of compete in your game because you're always in the support. You're always there on the puck. And I think that this is the main reason why Casperi Kapanen decided – or Craig Ruby decided, rather, to put Kapanen in the middle there because he's certainly got speed. He's shown to have uh, just that grit on the puck and certainly the competitiveness on the puck. And those two things uh, certainly added to his game last night. He had a terrific uh, terrific assist coming right up the middle of the ice. He bumped it out to Sammy Blay, who set up Jordan Cairo. But it was the speed of Kapanen working his way up in that second period, crossed the red, crossed the blue, picked it out, drove the net, and really set up and created a lot of space for Jordan Tyree on the game-winning goal. Hey, Joey V, one last thing before we let you go. I look at the Blackhawks last night, and I look around the league. I look at Montreal, who was in the Stanley Cup Finals not too long ago. I I look at Anaheim and San Jose, teams that had really good stretches of hockey and now look like they're just helpless. The Blackhawks just look like like they're helpless. And it looks to me like with the young players the Blues have that we aren't going to have to deal with that bottom-of-the-barrel type hockey. I, I don't know if I'm right about that or not, but I just get the impression that that's the case. I feel like we're pretty lucky that we aren't, it doesn't look like, going to have to go down to where teams like Chicago and Anaheim and San Jose and Montreal are. It's a good point, Randy, and you're absolutely right. This is not a bad hockey team. This is, in fact, a really good hockey team. And this is a hockey team that actually is not very far off at all. I mean, look at the players that we lost at the deadline, whether it be Achari, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Barbashev, I mean, Nico Mikola. We, we were the biggest seller at the deadline. We got rid of some really good players, and we got a lot of pieces back. So you think by all the, the big pieces we moved, we would be in that threshold of that, that let's call it that prototype, uh, Anaheim, Chicago, uh, but we're not. We are We are better than those teams. We saw we played Anaheim last week. Uh, it was We handed them a win easily. Last night, the Blues, I was talking to Mike Van Ryan about it after the game. They didn't even play a great game. And they, again, handled the Chicago Blackhawks handily. The Detroit series home and home. I know we ended up losing one there in overtime. But aside from that, that was one that uh, you can tell that this is a Blues team that could easily take on the Detroit Red Wings as well. So my point is they're in the standings around these other teams, and it's not even close. And you look at you look at some of some of the way the season's gone. They're actually a couple more wins before the deadline, or a couple more wins before the trade deadline. I mean, they'd be right back in the mix. They'd be like right there. I mean, they're not that far off from the Winnipeg Jets right now. They're going to finish right in the middle of the pack, uh, and especially with all the pieces they lost. So to me, it's a very encouraging thing. You're right. The Anaheim Ducks have a long, and I mean a long way to go. If they don't get Connor Bedard, I watch the Anaheim team, it's going to be maybe seven, eight, nine years before they make the playoffs and make a really good run at it again. Chicago Blackhawks team, they are banking on Connor Bedard, and without that, it is going to be a huge rebuilding process there. Uh, But there are a couple other teams. I think the Detroit Red Wings are close, and I certainly think the Blues are are right there as well. But one good thing about this team is, uh, the coaching staff, especially Craig Berube, every night they, they put their heart on their sleeve and they just go out there and they play passionate, gritty, competitive hockey. Uh, to me, that's always got to be the foundation. That comes from your leadership, and certainly they have that right now. But some wonderful young pieces up and coming. Jake Neighbors has taken a huge step this year. Uh, Zach Bolduke is going to be a player to keep an eye on. 
Uh, Dean is another player we got with the Barbershop trade. He could be NHL ready by, t- by next year sometime. Just some wonderful pieces up and coming. We have a good veteran group. Certainly goaltending is never going to be an issue. We got Bennington. You got Joel Holver backing up. We saw him play this year. He's going to be a terrific goaltender. He's going to play a long time in the National Hockey League. Big guy as well. So, so many great pieces. Uh, so, I mean, again, I'm not just being optimistic here. I do think uh, there is a re- reality that this turnaround is going to be very, very brief. And this team is going to be very competitive and right back in that playoff hunt here within a year or two. So, Joey, just before we let you go, I want to make sure I get my list of things not to drink. It's mo- uh, uh, Rattlesnake Moonshine. Rattlesnake okay. Moonshine, Care. Yeah, make if anyone sure. ever brings you out a bottle of moonshine with a rattle, just run, man. Okay. Just absolutely. Yeah, absolutely run. I think I'm still recovering. That was like four or five years ago. Yeah, Joey, I, I actually got the date for you. It was February 9th of 2019 that you uh, apparently partook of the Rattlesnake Moonshine. And then uh, the, the very next. So you, you, I remember the back-to-back. It was a Saturday here, a Sunday there, right? And so you guys fly to Nashville. I'm sure you had the Rattlesnake Moonshine and then played the 1230 game the next day in Nashville. Nashville, and the Blues were hot at that time. It was fun. I don't recall not hearing your voice during the broadcast, but I'm sure that's the case. But anyway, yeah, February 9th of, of 2019, the Stanley Cup championship year. Yeah, that was, that was the one where I walked in the house at that night. I got home probably about 6 or 7 o'clock at night, and the kids all excited. My wife's like looking for some help now that I'm home. And I just kind of gave her a pat on the shoulder, and I just went straight to bed. So, I just, you know, it really never got better for me at that point. It really never got better for me at that point. So that is one mistake I'll never make again. Love you, Joey. We'll be tuned in tomorrow, and have a great weekend in Nashville. Hey, love you guys, too. You guys have a great weekend now. Thank you. That's our friend Joe Vitale on one of ESPN. Just don't take, don't take drinks from strangers. How about that? As a, Especially if there's a snake in the bottle. As a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, some tequilas have, have worms in the bottle, right? That's true. This is a snake. <laughs> this is a yeah, snake and moonshine on top of that. I, combo. Oh, moonshine man. is a deadly combo, I feel oh, like. That's brother. just, not safe. got to avoid that. Yeah. He's awesome. The fight's coming your way next. On 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Keith, returning from yesterday's victory over Randy. Keith, how you doing today? Good morning, Kerry. Good morning, Brooke. Are you ready to take on Megamind again? <laughs> uh, as ready as I'm going to be, Kerry. All right. Well, I'm trying to get ready as well. My microphone is doing some weird things this morning, and so if you hear a little ruffling, (laughs) that's just me trying to get it together. All right, here we go. Jordan Walker became the youngest American-born player to get a hit in his Major League debut since whom? Bryce Harper, Ken Griffey Jr., or Fernando Tatis Jr.? I'll go with Bryce Harper. Tyler O'Neill became the fourth player in MLB history to hit a home run in four consecutive opening day a game opening day games. Excuse me. Which former Mets catcher achieved this accomplishment in the 1990s? Mike Piazza, Todd Hundley, or Albert Castillo? Todd Hundley. Final answer. 
Garrett Cole became only the second player in Major League Baseball history to have 600-plus strikeouts with three different teams. Who was the first pitcher to achieve this? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't give you the options, did I? <laughs> Roger Clemens, <laughs> Nolan Ryan, or Max Scherzer? This is why we were saying we need a day off after after the opening day festivities yesterday. I was going to make you do it like Megamind. Don't worry about it. Uh, one more time, uh, Carrie. I'm sorry. Garrett Cole became only the second pitcher in Major League history to have 600-plus strikeouts with three different teams. Who was the first pitcher to achieve this? Roger Clemens, Nolan Ryan, or Max Scherzer? I'll go with Nolan Ryan. The Boston Bruins secured the President's Trophy for the fourth time since it was introduced in the 1985-86 season. Which NHL team has won the most? The Islanders, Oilers, or Red Wings? The New York Islanders, final answer. All right, we got uh, our number. If you could go out and grab Randy for us. That would be great. How you feeling about this today, Keith? Oh, uh, I'm a 50-50. There were a few of my uh, took a guess. 50-50. All right. Well, we'll see if your uh, 50-50 is better than Megamind's. Usually, hey, Carrie, usually... if I could, if I could, big shout out to my brothers Mike and Ken and my son Keith. They're daily listeners to oh, your show. Oh, that's Shout great. out to you guys. Thank you for uh, listening and thank you for being here, Randy. Yeah. Say hello to Keith again. Keith, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Megamind. Great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. You bet. Thank you. All right, here we go, Randy. Okay. Jordan Walker became the youngest American-born player to get a hit in his Major League debut since whom? Um, I'll do the lifeline. I don't know. Is it Bryce Harper, Ken Griffey Jr., or Fernando Tatis Jr.? I will say that it was Fernando Tatis Jr. Tyler O'Neill became the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to hit a home run in four consecutive opening day games. Which former Mets catcher achieved this accomplishment in the 1990s? Gary Carter. All right. Garrett Cole became only the second player in Major League Baseball history to have 600-plus strikeouts with three different teams. Who was the first pitcher to achieve this? I would think that you've got I don't know if Nolan Ryan got to 600 with the Mets um, and I don't think well let's see the big unit would it probably definitely wouldn't have with Montreal would have with Seattle would not have with Houston would have with Arizona but not with the Yankees Rocket, Boston, not Toronto, Yankees, not Houston. So I'm down to either Roger Clemens here. It's not, I'm going to say it's not big unit. I'm going to say it's not Ryan. Do I have, I don't think it's Clemens either. Darn it. Um, okay. I will go. I, I just mentioned another name in there. I don't even remember who it was. That was more logical than any of those other guys. Um, okay, not big unit. Clement, no. 
So I'll I'll roll the dice on Nolan Ryan here. Alrighty. The Boston Bruins secured the President's Trophy for the fourth time since it was introduced in the 1985-86 season. Which NHL team has won the most? Most tre- President's Cups trophies. Logic would dictate that it's since 85-86 that it would be the Red Wings. The hated effing Red Wings. Since that season, Montreal hasn't been good, so they wouldn't have had it. Um... Jersey, Colorado, no. I'm going to take Detroit here. Final answer. We got a winner. The winner and still champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. Keith got you three to two today, Randy. Uh, They had a couple of... Tough ones there. Jordan Walker became the youngest American-born player to hit a home run. I'm sorry, to get a hit in his Major League debut since whom? It was indeed Bryce Harper. Mm. Uh, The next question, Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill became the fourth player in MLB history to hit a home run in four consecutive opening day games. Which former Mets catcher achieved this accomplishment in the 1990s? The options were Mike Piazza, Todd Hundley, Albert Castillo. It was Todd Hundley. And then Gary Cole became the only the second player in Major League Baseball history to have 600-plus strikeouts with three different teams. Who was the first pitcher to achieve this? It was indeed Nolan Ryan. You got that one. And then the Boston Bruins secured the President's Trophy for the fourth time. Uh, which NHL team has the most? It is indeed the Red Wings with six. So, Keith, got you again, got you again today with three to two. Good job, Keith. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Our uh, Monday, right? Oh, Monday. Yep. Tomorrow Monday. is Saturday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm so the, these. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, the, right? I should have been off today. The rattle, yeah. rattlesnake <laughs> story got us all shook up. It did. <laughs> Moonshine. Randy, Randy, I'll be studying my sports almanac all weekend. Okay. You know what? They actually had it on the board yesterday too. That Todd Hundley was, and I just Carter hit my mind because I think I think Carter because it was Barra. Who were the Yogi Barra? Barra. Um, I forget the other one. Hundley. Hundley Isn't and, it on the. We don't have uh, Albert Castillo. Is no. Well, it no, was, this was, uh, it yeah. was the. Are you talking um, about two? It was three catchers. It was Barra, Hundley for opening day home yeah, runs. O'Neill, yeah, yep. and there was another catcher. I don't remember who the other one was. Okay. I saw it up there too, though. It was Mike. Yeah, we, it wasn't Piazza. It wasn't Piazza. No. Uh, but anyway, that's eh. neither here nor there. Yeah, Which one did you say? I said Gary Carter. Yep. Oh. oh okay. So. Good job, Keith. Yep. Thank you very much, <laughs> Keith. We do appreciate it. And coming up next on 101 ESPN, our confidence in uh, Zach Thompson and Drew Verhagen paid off yesterday. What did we think of the Cardinal bullpen? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Not many hard-hit balls yesterday for Toronto among their 19 hits against the Cardinals. It was a a really weird opener in that they didn't, this is a power-hitting team, it didn't hit any home runs and had some opportunities. And the Cardinals, by the way, 3 of 15 with runners in scoring position. That was not very impressive. But there were some good things that happened with the Cardinals, and I thought one of those was the general performance of the bullpen, not the the complete performance of the bullpen, but I thought that there, there were some good things that happened. One of the things that happened was you get to that that fourth inning, Springer with an infield single, and he had five hits. Bichette struck out, and then Guerrero with a base hit. So you've got 
uh, second and third with one out, and Zach Thompson comes in. He allows a sack fly and then gets a strikeout and then pitches a clean fifth inning as well for the Cardinals. I thought Zach Thompson was really good. And if you look overall at the bullpen, Drew Verhagen came on for two-thirds of an inning. He allowed a hit, but he did get a big strikeout. Palante went in inning and a third. He allowed a couple of hits. He allowed a run, but didn't walk anybody and or walked one. Uh, and then Jordan Hicks, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. C.D., nothing that was hit against him was hit hard. He, he he essentially did his job. The ball just landed in the wrong spot. The only thing that was hit hard was Wilson Contreras' knee. Yeah, now, right. That was the only pitch that he threw that got hit hard. Yeah. Something got hit hard of it. He, uh, I mean, they, they Miles Michaelis got started. It was, it wasn't, the the start that we wanted it wasn't you know pretty it was ten hits it was it was a lot going on in that first couple of innings and and a few runs given up but this team has the ability we talked about to score runs and if your bullpen can go out there and shut people down and not produce many runs or not put people on base by walking them um, you ha- you give yourself a chance mm-hmm. I I am I'm not too concerned as you said it's one game it's 162 of them. Obviously, you want to win. It's opening day, but it's one game. Hopefully, Miles Michaelis can be better, give you a quality start his next time out. And the bullpen did not perform poorly. It wasn't many hard-hit balls. You just see the number. You see 19 hits, and you think they're getting hit in the gap, and mm-hmm. it's it's coming off exit velocity 100 miles an hour. It's like 80 miles per hour coming off of the bat, 72 miles per hour. Not many hard-hit balls, but unfortunately, a lot of uh, a lot of balls in play. Yeah, and, I, and with Jordan Hicks, too, I think – the situation with Wilson Contreras that even put like a harsher spotlight on him too, where people are just like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, like you, you see Wilson Contreras getting hurt there and you see Jordan Hicks on the mound. And I think then he becomes kind of enemy number one there because you don't want to yeah. lose your starting catcher so early. Luckily it does seem like the results were initially negative. He is going to get an MRI, mm. but it was what, like 102 mile per hour fastball to yeah. the yeah. knee essentially. And it didn't bounce. It hit the top of the, it looked like it hit the top of his kneecap right yeah. where the the shin guard is still there. But if it's going that fast, there is only so much impact that 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 shin guard can take off. Yeah. Uh, so Jordan yeah. Hicks wasn't aiming for his knee. No, no, it's, that's not. That's I know not there's the people issue. that want to they they want to denigrate Jordan Hicks at every turn. I'm telling you, if you watch, just go back and, and watch that inning and look at the way the ball, you, you had a little looper right over the shortstop's yep. head. You had a ball that was hugging the line, the third mm-hmm. baseline, and Arenado was waiting for it to go foul. And then you had another looper into right. It, it wasn't like people were hitting the ball hard against him. The, the big mistake that was made by the bullpen, you can't do this when you're a closer. You have a one-run lead. You walk the leadoff hitter. Yes. That's what's going to crunch you, and that's what happened to Ryan Helsley. Exactly. I did like, though, that they brought back out when he comes out from the bullpen, that they brought out the Hells, Hells Bells, Bells again. Hells was awesome, yeah. I was hoping that they would kind of make it red, but it's still I thought that that was a nice thing that they did again. Well, they, It had it, to be nighttime, right? It looks better at night. Yeah. It does, yeah. But, but they still had cool. kind of like red banners or something yeah. like that come up as well. The Cardinals have needed that for a closer for a long yes. time because they always had this one stoop for every single closer. It was just one thing. Yeah. So I like the fact that they have something dedicated to Ryan Helsley. In defense of Jordan Hicks, I will bet you a good amount of money that, that Wilson Contreras will say, I should have caught the ball and I wouldn't be hurt. Yeah, right. It didn't bounce. It was, it was a little shorter than he may have expected it to be, but he would probably say, I should have caught the ball and I yeah. wouldn't have gotten hurt. So... It happens. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a – I think they're going to be okay. And, I, and again, game one, I don't know if this is an indication of things to come or if it's something that was a product of Hicks being in spring training. I was really surprised that it wasn't Gallegos in the eighth rather than That Jordan was interesting. Hicks. Yeah. I, I wonder if it had – I mean, the, he, Gallegos wasn't at – 
spring training, right? He was at the World Baseball Classic, mm-hmm. but you still have people watching, and you saw what happened when they lost that game. Last uh, time to, we saw him, right? Last time you saw him, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty, it, it was a bad, bad pitch that got in the gap. So I don't know if that had anything to do with with Gallegos or if Jordan Hicks has just earned that position, that opportunity to be the the, the setup man for for Helsley. So regarding that with Giovanni Gallegos, he was not available. He's dealing with lower back issues. Okay. That's not a good thing. No. wonder how long he's had that. Uh, about a week back. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Oh, no. <laughs> well done. That was, a good, that was a good dad joke. That was a good dad joke. <laughs> yeah, they, they said he didn't pitch because of a back injury suffered on Wednesday. It worsened during Thursday's pregame session. Okay. So that's good to know because you want to have him healthy. And he's actually pitched in more, even though... Hicks has been a closer too. It just I just get the feeling my feel is that Gallegos has pitched in more high leverage situations than Hicks has. We got this text earlier and I, I forgot to mention I and I can't find it on the text line, but it was a, a question. Do you think that the lack of the shift had something to do with some of those hits yesterday? No question. You got yes. nineteen hits were in a game last year, maybe that's seven. Maybe it's 10, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not 19 if you can align people. There was a couple of plays where it went right over the second base bag or right over the shortstop where you could have had another defender there, if, if another infielder there, if you still had the shift available. Yeah. Coming up on our Rush Hour Reset, we'll hear what Miles Michaelis had to say about that very subject on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to break down the biggest sports story of the day on the Opening Drive with today's big thing. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. The Cardinals will have the day off today and take on the Blue Jays again tomorrow at the ballpark. It is 9.02. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. By the way, tomorrow you've got the Albert and Yachty pitching bobbleheads available. Tickets still available oh, for the nice. game. Pretty cool. April Fool's Day. Pretty cool, right? And uh, you'll have Kevin Gossman who just owns the Cardinals. He's brutal against the Cardinals, and he's really, really good. And he'll go against Jack Flaherty, and uh, that game comes your way at one fifteen on Valley Sports tomorrow. Randy, were you surprised that Jordan Walker started in right field as opposed to left field, seeing as how he played predominantly left field all spring training? I wasn't because I think his career for the next 10 years is going to be right field. Hmm. Well... You know what my son said? He was, <laughs> Brooke was <Yeah>. laughing. <laughs> he said, wow, he's got a strong arm. He said, he's got a pretty strong arm. He's not really accurate yet, though. <laughs> right, right. Well, and- we, were, we were talking about that earlier is, you know, I think, too, we forget that he hasn't played in the outfield really that much, like maybe a year at most. He never yeah. played the outfield until the day after Harrison, the day Harrison Bader exactly. was trained for Montgomery. So I think he's got new. like 198 innings in the outfield. And there's a different technique as well, because I think we see that power there. We see that strength that he has. And even in hitting, he has to kind of work on some of like his slugging capabilities as well. He has that power. It's just kind of refining those skills because you can tell that he still doesn't, I would say, fully have that technique yet that you would kind of need for throwing in the outfield. Yeah, he's 20 Yeah, and hasn't played much outfield. And then the other part of this is the Cardinals are aware of the fact that they're developing. Ollie talked about this the other day, yeah. that we 
are in the business now of developing players at the major league level. We are not getting finished products when right. they arrive on the scene here. And and the more games he plays in right field at Bush Stadium, and correct me if I'm wrong, that was his first game there. You learn more about the bounces off of the walls, the angles that need mm. that you need to take. The more you are there in that outfield, it's it's like going to a new ballpark. You you don't know how the ball is going to carry him off of the wall until you do those reps over and over and over yeah. again. So uh, he'll be much better, you know, as the season goes on, figuring out how to get to those balls quicker and, and making the right throw and getting it to where it needs to be. And he threw a ball 102 miles an hour. Anything. I said he got yeah. a, he, he does yeah. have an arm. So it's And it, his size, speed, skill set, very reminiscent of another Georgia product, Jason Hayward. He really does have that same size and skill set. He's a little Hayward was was about six four six five right yes but two forty and Jordan right now is two twenty yes uh, Jason was bigger yeah hmm. yeah he, I think J- Jordan is a little bit taller but he does I mean Jordan Jordan's a big guy Jordan's a big big yeah. fella he's a big young guy yeah he, he's he's sturdy isn't he Meanwhile we talked in the last segment about how the shift rules might have made a difference for the Cardinals and for Miles Michaelis yesterday and he was asked about it after the game. I mean, we're still shifted. If you look at the play, I mean, we're still as close to second base as we can get on some of those. And, you know, the, the right side's still open. So while you can't completely shift an infield, like, we're still shifted. I mean, if anytime you got Donnie playing a foot over from the, from the bag there, I mean, that's a shift. So here's the thing, though. You don't have a player in short right field. Yeah. And you have to have the infielders start the play with their feet on the dirt. If on two of those plays yesterday the the hits against hicks that weren't down the line if you have a shift there's a strong likelihood that the ball is caught and a couple of those guys guerrero springer though i think springer hit one I, i'm pretty sure guerrero did just over tommy edmund's head and, yeah. and if you had if you had planned or had shifted he's going to catch that ball without even moving right if this was this time last year this is what we wanted. We wanted mm-hmm. more runs. We wanted more more hits. We wanted more offense. And and you're going to see numbers go up just because of the 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 lack of the shift in baseball. And I think it's going to be good for us. I agree. I I think so. I think it's going to take some time. I mean, even Paul Goldschmidt said that before going into yesterday's game is that it's going to take some time for guys to get used to all these rules. Yeah, and, and changes. And the management people, the analytics people will get better too. They'll, like, like Miles said, they're still shifting. They just can't shift the way they did. I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. I, I just It just popped in my head just now. Do you think, like, the analytics people's brains exploded when all those balls just popped right over the shortstop and said, oh, yeah. this is why we had you do it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like the frustration to be able to know something, predict something based off of mm-hmm. numbers, it then happened, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, I just imagine analytics guys and gals just losing their minds this weekend or this yesterday just watching all of the balls just dink and dunk right behind the shortstop and second baseman, and they are losing their minds and just like throwing, tossing papers up and like, I quit, I'm out, I'm done, no <laughs> right. more. Yeah, that's what they're, they're exactly right about the papers going up in the air. I can see I that. I want this game to be boring. <laughs> I got to say this, guys, and I've been to a lot of cool events, and it, it's probably not top 20. But I will say this, Adam Wainwright singing the National Anthem yesterday was was a, just a fantastic opening day memory that everybody that was there, everybody that was watching will always recall. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, even the look on his teammate's face when he started to slowly just kind of, he like hugs some guys. Montgomery's slapping his his glove against his leg. Yeah, yeah, just like walking over and then you see that happen. I mean, it was just such a beautiful moment. I I didn't think that opening day at Bush Stadium could be any better with the Clydesdales and, you know, the Red Jackets and the Hall of Famers being there and just the crowd. But then you put Wayno singing the national anthem on top of it. I mean, it was just like the cherry on top. His, his demeanor was really cool. He's like, "Yeah, boys, I'm doing this. Look at me." Like it was. <laughs> it was. You get, when he was, was walking over to the microphone. Yeah, boys, that's me. I'm about to go do this, and it was so fun to watch and to see, you know, his response, his teammates' responses, and the fans. Like I said, Randy, it was it was a, a moment where people were were shedding tears because it was such a cool moment to experience, and and just to be there in that ballpark, like you said, Brooke, with all of the things that take place on opening day, to have that as a part of it on his final opening day was was amazing. And guys, one of the things that I can bring because I'm old is historical perspective. And we look at opening day because opening day is a big deal. We're going to hyper-focus on opening day, which is cool because we have so much interest in it. And here in St. Louis, we focus on every single game. But the fact of the matter is, for the most part, you're going to win 50, you're going to lose 50, and it's what you do with the other 62 that matter. Yesterday was just a game that kind of, with the hits that fell in, it, it just kind of happened. But the way seasons unfold, you look at the 2004 Cardinals that won 105 games. They were 21-19 and 19 after 40 games. They, they were not great, and they, they found themselves on May 19th, 21-19, and 19, and then they go on a streak. Actually, they were 23-22 and 22 a few days later. Uh, and then throughout the course of the summer, May, June, July, you looked at that right side of the column all summer long. Last 10, it was 8-2, and 8-2, and 8-2, 8-2, and 8-2. And and they always won 8 of their last 10. Same thing with 85 cards. won 101 games. They started off 20-20. and 20. And actually that year, Whitey was supposed to be the first manager fired. And John Tudor starts off 1-7. and seven, And then he talks to his high school catcher who says, your delivery's messed up. And Tudor wins 20 of his last 21. And Cardinals go on and win 101 games. My point is... And John Mozeliak uses the word patience. I know that's a big fast lane term, too. You have to let a baseball season marinate. It's yes. not going to be determined on opening day. Well, that's kind of the point, right? That's the that's the great bright side of having so many games is that you're going to face different opponents, too, different teams. And it's about working things out as well. I mean, even with if there's any a little bit of concern with Jordan Walker, you know, in right field, he's going to work that stuff out. The talent is there. And even, I mean, another top moment for me yesterday, just going back to opening day stuff, was his first at bat. I, mm-hmm. Now, we yeah. did we did think it was going to go for 30 seconds, the standing ovation. But still, just about every time that he stepped up to the plate, fans were, you know, they dropped everything they were doing, paid attention to him, and his first at bat stood up and cheered for him when he got his first big league hit. I was wondering about this. Does the, uh, does the pitch clock impact standing ovations? Yes, it does. Like, does it, it does. does it take away? I mean, obviously the umpire can can hold the ball and and not he can allow. It's kind of the umpire's discretion at that point. But if he throws that ball to the pitcher, <laughs> that batter doesn't get time to really embrace or or take in that moment. You saw the story the other night. Sergio Romo signed with the Giants to play in an exhibition game before he retired. One day deal with the Giants. And he got popped twice because of standing ovations really? in his very last game for the, for the pitch clock. So, yeah, that, that can happen. So somebody texted in, Megamind, has a player ever sung the national anthem in a game that they were involved in? I can answer that. Yes, it was Stephen Brault for the Pirates is the most recent one that I can think of. But there I think there was another guy as well. I've heard, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I think so too. Yes.
can't remember who, though. Yeah. Off the top of my head. But it's pretty cool when it, it, it is. It seems like it happened here. It seems like it happened with the Cardinals like at some it. point. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of multi-talented people. Would you have ever sung the anthem before a game? Because uh, Carrie, if you aren't aware, is a really good singer. Yeah, I can sing a little bit. Um, I would. I, I yeah. The national anthem is actually a very hard song. That was because one of the why things with Adam. That? Once you get to a note, you can't go back. You gotta <laughs> stay there yeah. and yep. only go higher. And if you don't manage or pace yourself, whew, hey, just ask Carl Lewis. You'll t- be out of <laughs> t- 2011 World Series. The American Idol winner, a guy named Scotty McCreary. I'd never heard of him before he sang oh, the anthem. Oh, I forgot about him. Remember that? Too? Yes. It is, oh, say Start low. You, and stay low. <laughs> stay low. Yeah, that's what Start you got to do. Start low, stay low. That, yeah. that is yeah. your, in your best interest if you are singing the national anthem. Unless yeah. you're Whitney Houston, because she was able can, to do it all. Yeah. You can hit all of that old high notes. Yeah, she was pretty good. She was pretty good. Uh, that is... Today's Rush Hour Reset. We should tell you also, in addition to the Cardinal loss, Blues won last night, 5-3 over the Blackhawks. Blues are at, and hopefully the broadcasters will be okay tomorrow, Blues are at Nashville tomorrow for an 11 a.m. pregame <laughs> noon faceoff. If you didn't hear the Joey Vitale interview earlier, the reason that we say that is because Joey has had something called Rattlesnake Moonshine, and you can listen to our podcast. <laughs> it's brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center, and it's one of the great stories ever. It's one of the great stories ever, because Joey's response when Curbs would say, would ask a question, would be, yep. yep. <laughs> and I just love that Curbs, too, would just kind of poke him a little bit with that uh, as well. You know yeah. that Curbs got a little bit of laugh out of that, too. Classic. Jeremy Rutherford, talking some blues, next on 101 ESPN. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> what? What is that? Oh, I didn't hear. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. We go to the celebrity line, and our buddy, our Blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, joins us as the Blues get ready to take on the Nashville Predators tomorrow. So a day off, JR, for the Blues in Nashville today. <laughs> yeah, that is dangerous. I heard Joey's story, and I, heard Joey's story and I can definitely relate. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, there's a greasy spoon in Nashville, Brooke. I can't remember the name of the place. It's closed now, but we all used to pour over there, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning after the bars and there was one night i did so by myself i said i can't i can't drink another beer i'm heading to the greasy spoon and i loaded up on these tater tots and and i went and sat in the seat and i finished them and i was still hungry so i said i'm going back i'm going back up and getting another order of loaded tater tots and so i went up there and i got the second order went back and finished those the next night we're at the bar again of course that's what you do and kerber says hey you want to go over to the greasy spoon I said, yeah, sure, let's go. So I said, I haven't been over here in a long time. So we go up we go up to the counter, and we're ordering our food, and the guy at the counter said, hey, I remember you. Well, this is impossible because there's 500 people in this place, and they're all drunk from the bars, right? There is no way this, there is no way that this guy remembers me. And Kerber goes, oh, you remember him? Tell me more. And this guy said, yeah, you had to order a tater tots, went and sat right there, came back up and ordered another set of tater tots, and Kerber was going bananas. He said, "Oh man, you really you got him. You threw him under the bus." So, 
Yeah, it was uh, it's something that's dangerous in Nashville. <laughs> it's just, it's interesting to me that people have all these like Nashville stories that are like wilder than what I ever experienced like, growing up there. <laughs> it's it's a good time and, and uh, there's plenty more and, and some you can't say on the radio. JR, uh, one of my favorite all-time athletes to be around is Tony Twist and you have a great piece with him up. Uh, a story, His story as told to you at The Athletic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I went out to Twister's house a couple times in the past week or so and sat down with him. It's a story that's in his words, but uh, the way it's written is, you know, we kind of talk, we do the interview, uh, he puts things in his words, and then I take it and uh, and put it in a story form. And, and so a lot of good old stories uh, with Tony Twist talking about his days as an NHL enforcer. You know, one of the small stories that kind of caught my attention was he said he always watched film before he fought these guys. He said if a game was on ESPN, he'd get out the VHS tape and, and record it. And not only that, but he had guys in different cities that were recording fights for him, and they were delivering the fight, the tapes, to the rink, and he would take these home and watch them. And he said, so he goes, I've fought the guy 100 times in my head based on watching the tape before I ever step on the ice with the guy. JR, do you think that that part of hockey was, was important, or, or do you think that it being done away with is, is better for the game? You have to say that it's better for the game because the injuries that are involved and the aftermath of what happened with a lot of those guys. I don't see how you could look at it any other way. You could be excited, you know, if you were in the rink 20, 30 years ago and and you watch this. Sure, I was a fan and I was there and I got caught up in it too. Uh, But then now we know. And that's what life is. You you move on and you find out, you know, the seriousness of a lot of different things. And and, and then you have to adjust and, and move on. And I think that's the situation now. Tony Twist in the article says himself, the game is better today. He said, now granted, I've just watched a few periods here and there, but he said the skill level, the speed, the execution is so much better. The game is so much more fun to watch. He admits that than when he played, but he said two things. You can't just throw, in his words, you can't just throw your binky in the center of the ice when you see something happen. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to police yourself. And then second of all, he said he feels like the kinmanship, the locker room knowledge is gone, and he feels like the third and fourth line guys, including some of those enforcers, are the guys who brought that to the locker room. Yeah, I can see that. I don't, I don't want to give away the full article, but I enjoy reading these, story, these stories that you have, Jeremy, and it, there's something that just stuck out to me in this story, that a uh, quick little excerpt that I'll point out. At 17, he quit hockey, so we almost didn't have all that legendary Tony Twist moments. Yeah, he really did. Uh, he said at 17 he quit hockey, and the reason he did is because the coach at the time of his junior hockey team just kept putting him out there to fight. He said that uh, he probably played 40 or 50, 50 games that season, and he said that uh, he fought almost every single game. Hmm. And you could only you could only fight once per game. So if you did it in the first period, you're going to get kicked out. So first period, second period, you know you're going to fight in the third. It's coming. And there it was. You're fighting in the third. And he also joked, he said, you got to remember, he said, we're going up against all these uh, Canadian teams like – uh, Grand Prairie, these these teams that uh, they bring their lumberjacks, and he said they're not there to chop trees; they're there to chop players. <laughs> so, I, I will so. say this, Jr. When, when we talk about the quality of the sport, and that's undeniable that for the good teams, the the quality of the game, the skill level of the players is way above what it was when Twister played. But if you were a team like the Blackhawks or the Ducks or the Sharks or the Coyotes, you could load up on two or three of those guys and sell tickets based upon your style of play, which included a lot of fighting. I think removing fighting has probably taken some people that ordinarily would have gone to a game just to see a fight away from the game. 
Yeah, I definitely think so too. Um, you know, but I, I go back to uh, what matters the most, and that's the health of these guys. And you know, there's not enough space in the article to get into everything that Tony Twist talked about. But you know, he really felt bad for some of these guys who have uh, incurred some of the health uh, problems that come along with that job. And, and he said that uh, these guys were warriors. You know, he talked about Derek Bugard and Wade Belak and these guys. And you know, he said that uh, he hasn't. Uh, felt these issues in his life post-career, uh, but he said he really feels bad for these guys. And, you know, I'm not saying he came out and said, you know, there shouldn't be fighting. There never should have been fighting. And that wasn't the case. He made his bread and butter uh, off that. And it did sell a ton of tickets, Randy, as you say. Uh, but I just think we're at a point now where, you know, let's see the skill. Let's see the game. But at the same time, like Tony says, I think the game is better sometimes when these guys police themselves. And I love this excerpt. I'm going to read it from your piece at The Athletic because it's one of my all-time favorite stories. He says, we were playing in Detroit and Martin LaPointe ran Chris Pronger. I went after LaPointe and he ducked. Well, out comes Joey Kosher. Joey and I both have our heads down and we're laughing. He goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to break Steve Eiserman's ankle. He said, you can't do that. I said, I get it, but you've got to tell LaPointe not to run my guy. Puck drops. I whack Stevie and Joey and I are getting into it and the lines been break it up before we start firing mitts. That's how it worked. The message was sent from Kosher to Iserman, Iserman to Scotty Bowman, and Bowman to LaPointe, but they have to believe that I would break Stevie's ankle, and there's no doubt. There was no if. That's what it's all about right there. Yeah, and Randy, as you read that, you know, I can hear him saying that, and that's the one thing. You wish you had some video, uh, because as he's telling me that, he's just getting so animated. And you can tell when he gets to the point in the comment where he says that there's no ifs. I would have broken Stevie Eiserman's legs. It's totally believable, and I think that's what's lost a little bit today. I don't think if a player said that 2023 to the guy across from him at the face-off circle that he'd actually believe it, but I believe it when Tony Twist says it. And he skated by their bench and said it to Bowman, too. He said, hey, settle your guy down or number 19's season ends tonight. And, yeah, exactly. and then he said, I don't know if he told you this, but in the story that was related to me, we didn't see Martin LaPointe in that game anymore. Yeah, yeah. At the end of that, he says, I don't think he played the rest of the game. <laughs> oh, it's great. And, and Randy, just the intimidation factor. Uh, he said that there was another time that uh, he was going against uh, Toronto and they called up a guy from the minors to fight him. And he said, so you know what I did? The morning skate. And now for people who aren't familiar with the morning skate, that's 1030 in the morning. We're talking six or seven hours before game time. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are out on the ice having their morning skate. Well, the Blues are getting ready. They're getting dressed. They're going to go out on the, on the ice after him. Tony Twist said, so I went to their bench. I started taping my stick on their bench. I grabbed their water bottle and started drinking their water. And uh, he said, I fought Frank that night, and he didn't last long in the NHL. So a uh, lot of fights, a lot of fights. The last one I'll leave you with is Tony Twist's uh, 104 NHL fights, 104. But he said, if you include junior, minors, streets, and bars, the number had to be 500. <laughs> <laughs> JR, we were uh, talking about Yakub Verana earlier today. He's played in 13 games and has nine goals. Um, he's on his third team. We we understand all of the things that he's been through on and off the ice. He's he's was a was a first first round draft pick, 13th overall. What are the expectations for him, and how good can this young man be? Yeah, I think you really can. I think he's genuine, Kerry, and that he, he wants to move on from his situation in Detroit. Uh, I think he fits well with today's game. He's got a good shot. He puts the puck on net, and he's got that speed that we've seen, and not just uh, you know the speed that we typically talk about getting up the ice, but he's got speed to get into position to take the shot, and we've seen that with Kapanen, too. Sometimes these guys can get to the outside, 
and get off a shot that normally a guy wouldn't. And so I, I think they're bringing this element to the Blues that Doug Armstrong has to like and was hoping that they would bring. Uh, and there's been a lot made, Terry, about these guys just having one more year left on their contract. But if they continue to play this way and continue to fit the Blues system of, of which uh, the direction that they want to go, uh, I think there's the potential for one or both of these guys to be resigned. I think Verona has been a real big surprise. Let me ask you guys, does he make up for all the guys that went to Detroit and started playing better? Is this a trade? situation with these Detroit starting to get offset a little bit yeah aside from the number 57 <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's been a lot of them but yeah he's been good oh man if we go back through history no I if we're talking <laughs> Holly and Shani and Steve Duchesne and all those guys no I, I don't think we Scotty Bowman I don't think we can make up for that no, I don't think so. But we'll limit it to the uh, Armstrong, Stevie Eiserman trades, and uh, I think uh, Doug got one here. But uh, there have been a few going Eiserman's favor before this. Absolutely, Jr. Before we let you go, it'll be fun to see Jim Montgomery and his team in town. That, that's a uh, an historic run that they're on. Yeah, it will be. I remember uh, when the Blues hired Jim Montgomery, had a chance to talk with him, and he was thankful for the opportunity. This is before he coached one game with the Blues as an assistant coach. Uh, of course, had a couple years where there was a lot of success. And he was a part of it. And uh, I'll tell you this, he was so excited to get that Boston Bruins job, original six team. He didn't know where he was going to land. There was interest with some other teams. Uh, but he gets to Boston. He's got a great team, great culture. Uh, but he's a big part of that success. Uh, a real good guy, real good uh, communicator. Guys love playing for him. They had an issue in Boston where the young kids, they weren't getting the most out of them. Jim Montgomery's gotten the most out of them. So I'm sure there will be a, probably a little graphic video tribute for Jim Montgomery when he gets to St. Louis, a lot of respect from the Blues organization for what he did here. JR, have a nice weekend. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. See you. That's our Blues Insider from The Athletics, Jeremy Rutherford. And make sure you read that piece about Tony Twist uh, in The Athletic because it's fantastic. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, coming up, we're going to take a look at our biggest takeaways from opening day on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, way too early overreactions about opening day for the Cardinals as they fell to the Blue Jays yesterday by a score of 10-9. to 9. They will face Kevin Gossman tomorrow. Jack Flaherty will be on the mound for the Cardinals. And, guys, we tend to focus on the fact that the Cardinals did lose, but I'm going to be sunshine lollipops here and point out that they did score nine runs on 15 hits, and they did battle back. They were down throughout. It was a seesaw game, and this offense is capable of doing big things in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, there was, what, five Cardinals to post multiple hits in this back-and-forth mm -hmm. game? I think that that's a really good takeaway. Of course, I think there is a lot of focus on the Cardinals pitching staff right now, especially with all the news going into it. You don't have Adam Wainwright. He's on the injured list. You had Jack Flaherty with like a 6.41 ERA going into the season. So I think the harsh spotlight was already there. And so when you see the results at the end, you're like, oh, no, I think that we, we should be panicking right now. But it, it was just a back-and-forth game. It was going to be whoever finished out on top, whoever had the last say in that situation. And sadly, it was Toronto that came out on top. But still a great day offensively, especially from Brendan Donovan. Once again, I mentioned this before, I love him in that leadoff spot. He really just kind of set the table for the rest of the team, and he had a great performance. You saw some of that power that he was working on during spring training and during the offseason. And Nolan Arenado, I mean, we already said pretty early on we think he could be the 
National League MVP. He was two for five with a double and three RBIs yesterday. So maybe a good start to that MVP campaign. Is there any concern for your eighth and ninth inning guys, both giving up a couple of hits and a couple of runs when you had the lead? Uh, and that's, you know, you, you go into the eighth inning with the lead, you get down, you're down a run. You go into the ninth inning with the lead, and then now you're down a run going into the bottom of the ninth. Is there any concern there? This is back-to-back home games for Ryan Helsley, isn't it? Yeah, it well, yeah, Philly. Yeah, 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 it is. But obviously, he was not healthy then. No, I'll I'll give it some time. Okay. To uh, to get bad. I uh, one of my favorite Joe Joe Torrey stories because I don't remember who was closing for the Cardinals, but they were off to a rough start, and I, I got a chance to know Joe pretty well when he was manager of the Cardinals. So he comes in with the Dodgers one time, and I'm asking him about. I wish I could think of who it was for the Cardinals that was struggling. He said, "Let me tell you something." He said, when Mariano Rivera became our closer in 97, he blew three of his first six save opportunities. Mm. And we had let John Wetland go. He said, I had to bring Mariano into my office and say, look, you're what I got. You're my closer. And after that, he ran off something like 17 or 18 saves in a row. But Helsley knows that. He's right. the guy, and he's going to be fine. He had a 1.25 ERA last year. Mm-hmm. So yes. I'm not worried about him. I think they need to figure out, and um, with the – back injury to Gallegos. He might be the eighth inning guy, but I I like the idea. I know that the analytics people don't like the idea of having a dedicated guy for the eighth and a dedicated guy for the ninth. I do like that because I think that's a great way to win. And if I were running the team with no disrespect to Jordan Hicks, but I would have Gallegos in the eighth and Helsley in the ninth. I think that that's not far off. And I think that they were going to use him, but then you have that the back soreness, as they said, and hopefully that's not going to be something too serious with Giovanni Gallegos, and he'll just get some extra rest where he is ready to go for those situations here soon. Randy, how long did you say his back was hurting? About a week back. Okay, just oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the dad jokes just slipping right on in, yeah, huh? Yeah, they're going to last. Hey, <laughs> one other thing that we have to talk about is because of what happened last year, and it's not unreasonable. I mean, I didn't even take it about myself to learn Drew Verhagen's Hagen's name. I called him Chris Vonderhoff for a whole season. <laughs> but that being said, he has really good stuff. The hip injury apparently yeah. really affected him. I like Verhagen as a Cardinal to come in and get a couple of strikeouts. I do, too. I mean, he had a great spring training. He was one of the more reliable guys in the bullpen for him, and I thought he did a really good job, and he had surgery to fix that during the offseason, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you never know how somebody's going to come back from a surgery like that, especially hip, but honestly, it seems like it helps with him, and he looks a lot more comfortable out there, too. And by the way, you do not want to get into a fight with this team. Uh, he's he's a big fella. He, he's like Vandy, Wayne. former Vandy boy oh, too. Oh, you know okay, how I like go. my Vandy <laughs> boys. Yes, now it makes sense. But he's another one of those guys. Uh, he's got kind of that. Not that Wayne would ever hurt anybody, but he's as big as Adam Wainwright is. Uh, and then you have Walker out there. Yeah, you got to figure Tyler O'Neill. You think he can fight? I think he's been in a few in yeah, his lifetime. We we saw what. Uh, Gallegos can do running in from the bullpen. He kind of enjoys. And that kind and of thing. the secret weapon is clearly stubby. Yeah. He's, he's he's the one you really it's the he comes in it's low the smaller, he comes in quiet yeah. ones yeah, right. that you really need to be yeah. worried about. Verhagen is six six two thirty. Jordan Montgomery, let me get our starting rotation here. Uh, Jordan is six six two thirty. I don't want to see any of our pitchers in a fight, but I think I'll pick Verhagen over Montgomery. I did think there might be a little bit of an issue after uh, Guerrero got hit. Thought maybe you uh-huh. you, you, yeah. you send one. With them? up and and hits i think hit him in the shoulder or in the arm 
uh, yeah, you might have a have an issue on your hands. It's something to keep keep an eye on for the rest of the series. Guys, I really hadn't. I, I knew they were big. I hadn't paid attention to this. So Miles is six four two thirty, Flaherty six four two twenty five, Montgomery six six two twenty eight, and then Adam who's six seven two forty ish two two thirty ish. It's a pretty hefty group you got. That is, there. yeah, it really is. Who am I leaving out? Oh, Matts. Matts is a pretty big fella too. He's tall he? too. Yeah, he's lanky. Uh, he is. Uh, he's only six two and two oh one. Really? Only. Yeah. He looks oh tiny. my gosh! He looks, so maybe short. He's, he's lean though. <laughs> he, looks, he looks like six four, six five ish. Yeah, I I think my biggest takeaway was I want to see a fight this year. Go ahead. I, I yeah, I don't want to see a pitching fight, Randy. I we don't need that. Yeah. We need healthy arms. And but six four two fifteen. Yes, I I think my biggest takeaway was Cardinals offense looked really good, mm-hmm. and. They went against some great pitching on the other side stuff uh, on the other side as well, and that was just my big takeaway: is great offensive showing for the Cardinals. We we were hoping for that, especially with the way that th- things ended towards the end of last season. You had multiple guys hitting in this game, and you had guys with multiple hits too. Right. And Nolan Arenado, Brennan Donovan performing great as well. I I also loved that two run homer from Donovan. Just the power that he's shown, I think is is really good. So I it's one game, one game. I'm not hitting, or I'm not going to get on the panic bus just yet with the pitching staff. I'm not either. It's still one game, as you said. It, it's still. It's very early. It's as early as early can get. So we'll see how they perform on Saturday. Hopefully it's a a much better starting uh, pitching outing that that allows them to kind of get rolling. Especially for Flaherty. And also we have to point out, too, Kerry, you did predict that Paul Goldschmidt would steal a base, and he did that. Now, was it the most exciting Probably not. I don't know if excitement (laughs) and stolen bases go (laughs) when you think of Paul Goldschmidt, but he doesn't get caught when he does decide to go. So he's it's been three years. I mean, three full seasons now since he's he's been something right. Yeah, absolutely. And the second game of the season tomorrow at one fifteen at the ballpark, and then tomorrow after the baseball game, you've got soccer over at City Park. We're going to talk about our expectations for City this weekend. And oh, by the way, there's a final four tomorrow too. And we'll hit on that on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One of the entries for the team name for our MLS franchise several years ago was Ravioli Boys, B-O-Y-Z. The team was ultimately named St. Louis City SC, which is a great name. But this weekend, since tomorrow is April Fool's Day, the team is going to have a Ravioli Boys Festival at the Lufus Plaza, just on the eastern side of City Park. You're going to have toasted rav available for purchase from Anthonino's. We've had some this morning, and it's been absolutely, well, not all of us have had it. I've had it. Correct. But it's been absolutely spectacular. <laughs> Uh, they're also going to have farm truck and New York Tom's food truck. And they've got limited edition Ravioli Boys uh, merchandise, including the toasted top and tea rav, on sale exclusively at the city parking garage pop-up shop. So you want to head on out tomorrow. You don't need a ticket if you want to just get involved in the festival from 4 to 7 tomorrow before SC takes on Minnesota. See if we can beat Minnie. 
I don't know if we can beat them 49-37, but uh, <laughs> we, 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 we can beat them right now. Mini is 2-0-2 two, two on the season. And by the way, that's two wins, no losses, two draws for Mini. You think we can handle them tomorrow and go to 6-0? I think the St. Louis City can do all things that are, are possible here. They've done a fantastic job this, this season, and I expect them to win another one. I think so, too. I think, first of all, I think this will be a great game. Not that the ones prior haven't been, but this is also another group that it's going to be a battle of basically the unbeaten teams right now in the MLS. So I I really like that matchup. My question is, do we predict another clean sheet for Roman Berkey, his third straight? And do we also (laughs) see in the future another Santa Claus goal? I oh, think, definitely. I think yeah. that's a given. Both he, are givens. Yeah, he yeah. is he is uh, five goals in five games. Second, I think, still in the MLS with, with the number of goals he has. He's going he's gonna to get another one. Yeah. By the way, the franchises that don't have a loss yet in MLS this season are Cincinnati. They're 3-0-2. Oh, and, and then uh, that's the only team in the Eastern Conference. In the West, you've got St. Louis City SC. You've got Minnesota United. And LAFC is also unbeaten. Grant Francis has a great stat, by the way, heading into this tilt tomorrow on the pitch in their kits at 7.30 yeah, at so, City Park. Yeah, I was looking at some <laughs> of the stats on MLSsoccer.com. So Minnesota this season has the second worst pass percentage at 67.1%. Oh. For St. Louis, in terms of intercepting passes this season, second best in the MLS at 65. So where my mind goes with how many uh, interception turning into goal situations that City has had, I feel like that's going to happen again this weekend. You're predicting a lot of turnovers by Minnesota and City scoring a lot of goals off of it. Well, I, I mean, I like City SC's style of play, yeah. it, it kind of wreaks havoc in that way. I mean, the constant, relentless pressure that they have. And they seem to do that. That helps with them scoring as well, too, because if you can really get the, if you can get the other opponents, and we've seen that many times where you kind of throw them off, then it's resulting in goals. I mean, Right now, City SC boasts a league-high 15 goals this season. 15 goals this season. That's incredible. And we'll get a, what, how many more tomorrow? We've got, that's three a game? We'll get three more tomorrow. So you're predicting what? I'm predicting a 3-0 whitewash. Oh. A clean sheet for Roman Berkey. I'm trying to find the odds here for St. Louis City SC on FanDuel Sportsbook. I know they're here. And they're going to be playing at home, and you're going to have the power of the ravioli boys going into it. It's going to be outrageous. Have you seen – they posted this video. I thought this was really funny, and now it makes sense because they have – there's this guy that – dresses up as a toasted ravioli and they did and they had him in a press conference the other day <laughs> asking asking Bradley Carnell uh what his favorite sales food is and I thought that was so funny I thought that that was a great marketing on their part that is city beautiful. minus 135 by the way to come away with a victory tomorrow we also have the final four tomorrow and we've got the games here on 101 ESPN after the Blues and Predators, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, followed by Miami and UConn. San Diego State is a three-point favorite over Florida Atlantic in the early game, and UConn is a six-point favorite. Who do we got? Oh, UConn. UConn is going to win that game. I mean, UConn is, is, has not really been challenged at all. Doesn't seem like this this uh, this tournament run. So I, I think UConn is going to take that one. I'm with you, but I'm going to take FAU in the other game against San Diego State. For whatever reason, they just seem to be a, a classic, almost like quintessential te- veteran team. Mm-hmm. And 
I just love the way they've got their team put together. I do too. I I can't, I don't I can't say has do we know how many brackets had FAU still like well, making it this yeah. far? <laughs> not many. There's no way. Well, other than didn't Mike Claiborne say that he had them he going to the that. final four? Yeah. He did say that. So I I think I I don't know. Maybe to me it would make sense so that San Diego would move on, but then again, I don't know. I mean, these owls seem to keep finding a way to stick around. Who? So the, the owls. Who? The, the owls. owls. Who? The owls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Florida Atlantic. Go owls. I, I mean, they've been playing re- well also. So, you know, it's going to be – it's not the Blue Bloods. I, I talked about it earlier earlier this week. I don't know if you're going to have the same amount of uh, eyeballs on the Final Four because the names aren't the names on the front of the jersey that most people are accustomed mm-hmm. to. But it, nonetheless, it's still going to be a great opportunity for those young men to – to finish out the, the deal and win a championship. It's amazing to think about what a difference a year makes. Because if we go back to last year's Final Four, that was Kansas, Villanova, North Carolina, and Duke. <laughs> I mean, the bluest of blue bloods. And now we've got UConn is the only one that's UConn, ever been to a Final Four yes, before. And most people wouldn't consider them, even though they have won championships in the past. Yeah, so it'll be fun. We've got a really busy weekend here in St. Louis with Sports Blues and Predators tomorrow. The Cardinals playing tomorrow at one fifteen. You've got SC playing tomorrow night. You've got the Battle Hawks in action. And so it's going to be just a wild and woolly weekend. And we'll have a lot to talk to you about on Monday. By the way, are your Warriors? They, they, they play tonight versus San Antonio. San Antonio is trying w. to. Yeah, they, they, they're not trying to. They're not really competing really well at this point. So the Warriors should have an opportunity to, uh, I don't know, move up based on the win. they got a few more games left. I know they're sitting at number six. They got to get a couple more wins to make sure they're not in that play-in tournament. And Rock is going to watch his Nuggets play tonight at Phoenix. Yeah, and we'll see if uh, if if Jokic plays. He's going to be frustrated. He's going to be mad if Jokic doesn't play, isn't he? Yes, he is. Even KD is playing. He's still going to be upset if, if Jokic. <laughs> if KD is playing and you're not, then there's a problem on your team. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Yep. Great job today by our producer engineer uh, Grant Francis in for Matthew Rocky. Oh, Grant, I wish we were our guy all the time. Oh wow! Oh. Don't tell Rock about that. Oh, no, no, he's, he's not listening. Yeah, always a pleasure coming in for you guys. And by the way, Grant, uh, come coming back on the quick turnaround after the Blues and Blackhawks last night, and then you've got Blues. He runs the board. He kind of runs the show for mm-hmm. Blues hockey, and you, you're back at it tomorrow morning. Then yeah, busy weekend, both day games too. Yeah, It'll be have, fun. Have fun with those. Yeah, yeah. we'll do. No, Great job. no uh, rattlesnake moonshine for you, okay? Oh, you don't have to worry. I'm not going to Nashville. I'll be right here. <laughs> Brooke, any rattlesnake moonshine this weekend? Uh, no, not 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 at all. I've never heard of that. Being from Nashville, I don't know where that came from. Um, but I have done the what is it? Eat the worm thing, the yeah, tequila. The tequila. I, yeah, uh, I'm good. That was like a 21st <laughs> birthday tradition back home. I'm okay. And you'd get a T-shirt that said, I ate the worm. I'm good. Oh, great. You don't want the free T-shirt? I mean, I it's the T-shirt. No, I just buy a free t-shirt. t-shirt involved. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> I just buy the T-shirt. <laughs> CD, have a great weekend. My man. That is Kerry uh, Davis. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. T-Mac and Ajax coming up with a little, or no, uh, uh, yeah. do, do they have a show T-Mac today? is here. Oh, he, no way. He, he is here. I saw. I had eyes on him. Okay. I saw him down there at TMA. He's, he's ready to roll. Okay, good. So we'll have those guys coming up in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. And then BK and Ferrario and the gang from 11 to 2. And then the fast lane from 2 to 6. For all of us, until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. 
You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.